Let's take it to the edge. Let's get deflected. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives, and this is the Knife Perspective, number 051, Back to the Grind with Dylan Fletcher. How you doing, Kyle? It's been a uh, been a been a real week. Started off the week, our beloved dog of 11 years uh, passed away on Monday, so uh, it was pretty hard for all of us. He was, if you're a follower of my page and stuff. He was in a lot of photos and stuff over the years. So uh, big yellow lab. His name was Columbus. Uh, one of the best shop dogs a guy could ever hope for. He was a was a lovable, lovable hound guy. But right after my birthday. So that was kind of a bummer. But uh, got a got a few good things for my birthday. So I got that in the, the shout outs and gear talk. So, but yeah, it's been uh, been a hectic week and the boys start spring break next week. So same with my wife and we're going to be putting up a eight by 12 greenhouse. So I got my work cut out for me for that one. <laughs> Just finished painting the, the fence on our 45 by 52 garden, put up all the pressure treated wood last year. And my wife wanted to stain it all white and then uh, had to put up all the metal staple back in all the metal panels and stuff. Cause apparently you're not supposed to, paint or stain pressure treated wood the first year you're supposed to like let it have a season or something to get the chemicals and stuff dry so you need it to dry out but you know if you stain it or paint it you just got to do that shit again right uh the stain's supposed to last like 10 to 15 years so hopefully uh <laughs> hopefully you make the boys do the next coat <laughs> yeah no i mean it that could happen yeah they're five and a half now so another 10 years they'll be 15 so yeah. It should be prime time for that. If it really does make it, if it makes it more than a couple of years, I want to know, I want to know what brand it is. Well, we got the, was it the bare white stain? Right. So it's supposed to, it's not non-translucent. So it's like a solid stain, but it's supposed to like. You know, that's called paint, right? No, it's, <laughs> it's called, a, it's called, a. it says stain right on it. <laughs> So, welcome to the to the paint perspective. <laughs> hey, uh, Jesus, how, how many times do you have to be told you can't speak yet? But how are you doing, Dan? Um, rough week, but uh, I'm two vodkas in and doing a podcast with one and a half guys I like. So it's a it's a pretty good day for me. I wonder who the half is. <laughs> uh, Gotcha. Um, uh, let's get uh, let's get to the sponsors because I need to get paid. <laughs> All right, our first sponsor is Jance Knife Supply. They have everything that a knife maker could want. Like we discussed on the last one, they even have a plethora of uh, cutout blanks and stuff. So if you wanted to do a small kit or something, they're a great uh, person for that. 
And if you use discount code KPGRIP, you can get 10% off handle materials there. Uh, I know Jess Hoffman, one of our listeners, he said that uh, he bought a bunch of paper micarta there the other day. Uh, said he really loves the, they had some colors and stuff he couldn't find other places. So they've been doing a good job of keeping, I don't know where they're getting it, but where other places are running out of materials, they've been doing a pretty good job of keeping stuff in stock. Yeah. Yeah, I bought some Kiranite from them, and the place they that distributes out all the Kiranites, like, literally less than two miles away from my house, and I'm like, hey, I need some in 3.8 stick. They're like, sorry about your luck. We don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up getting it for a chance. So let them know that you're uh, happy for them sponsoring the podcast. And speaking of hand and materials, Atlas Materials is also a sponsor of the podcast. They are a great source for pretty much anything synthetic. Yeah. I like the, I still like playing with the, the Jumanji, the scale stuff, the Juma Juma. That's it. <laughs> Jumanji. it you know, it's, it's like, it's a handle material. Robin Williams uses it a lot. It'll make sense. Yeah. That was, that was a, you were talking about movies of whose time Jumanji was one of my time. Yeah. That well, was like the movie back in the day. You know, I was a little slow to mature. <laughs> But yeah, Atlas Materials is great. Um, it, lots of times uh, they have a lot more material than they can keep updated on their website because it comes in and out so quickly. So uh, if something says it's out of stock, make sure to give them a call. And uh, lots of times it's in stock. They just hadn't got around to getting it updated. So when I like uh, like my liner material and stuff, I like getting from them because I can get two by two or four by four sheets from them so that my, my price per square inch is a really good deal. And you know you're going to blow through handle material. So I I can get big panels from them inexpensively, and then I just stick it in the corner of the shop and work my way through it. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I really like about them being close is I can get the big, huge sheets and not have to pay shipping. So got to pay sales tax, but you got to do what you got to do. And then also uh, for all the handle material and stuff, you're going to need to get some abrasives. Phoenix Abrasives is a great sponsor of the podcast, too. Uh, I'm going to be seeing Sean and Greg on Saturday at the Badger Knife Show. And uh, I called and put in a big order. Uh, so I'm going to pick it up from them. So save like $45 in shipping was what my my cart said. So be nice to pick it up from them, see them. And looking forward to seeing those guys at the Badger Show. Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, if Dylan were allowed to speak, he would definitely tell you how I used to be absolute drank the kool-aid norton belts that's all i used but i've i've switched over to the purple belts almost exclusively now from uh, phoenix yeah. they track better than the norton and they cut just as well if not better cool R right on <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to know how long it's been since i ordered canvas uh micarta <laughs> how long the person who took my order was ann sheffield <laughs> oh Wow. Old Town Cutlery is also a, another great sponsor of the podcast. They also are a distributor dealer for Cage Daily Knives and Dogwood Custom Knives. Yep. And uh, they have all sorts of handle material, knife blanks, and they even have some of their own designs that they're having cut out that we talked about on the last show. Definitely check those guys out. All sorts of handle materials uh, and all sorts of production knives and stuff. So uh, they uh, do a lot of um, uh, like the collectible folders. Yep. I don't know what Widow Lee is out there taking advantage of or how he does it, but he gets like a state bulks of collectible folding knives. 
Yeah. So it's, uh, I like to just go in the store when I'm down that way just to peruse. But if, if you're into the collector side, they're a great place to hit up. Yeah. I always want to get in more into the traditional folders and then uh, run out of money too dang quick. <laughs> I always like to pick up everything shiny there and put fingerprints on all of it. Yep. And then put it back. And then it's kind of like a scavenger hunt for them to like try to find everything I touch. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, I know they also sell a bunch of mosaic pins. The, there was a couple cool things that I saw there uh, on their website the other day. So definitely check those guys out. Like we mentioned, Old Town is a distributor dealer of Cage Daily Knives and Dogwood Custom Knives. And you can also find uh, Dogwood Custom Knives at the Knife Center in the Cook Station. And you can find Cage Daily Knives at Northside Cutlery. Check them out on Instagram. Uh, they don't sell online, uh, but if you are looking for something, you can message them and they can shoot you a pic of what they have. So keep a keep an eye out for all those uh, dealers to help us do what we can or what we do. So yep. make sure you let them help them out. Shout outs and gear talk. Um, I'm going to monopolize monopolize this one. How many vodkas? Yeah, um, monopolize. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't remember if I mentioned them last show or not, so they might get double dipped, but, uh, Red Falcon Woodworks, they do a lot of cool stuff with, um, like I got some ancient, um, sinker ciphers from them that, uh, comes with a carbon dating certificate that was 500 BC. So, I mean, when you want to, um, when you want to add a little something to your handles, it's, uh, you know, it's. It's ancient wood. It's uh, it's handles with a story, um, and they stabilize yep. it. Uh, I think I've used four or five sets so far, and they've been well stabilized, really consistent throughout. And the fact that yep. it comes with a copy of the carbon dating certificate is just a nice value added to pass on to the customer. Or when they're on the edge and they're trying to decide, maybe, maybe not, then you just kind of break out the certificate and oh no no, it's scientifically proven that it's even older than your mother in law. <laughs> um, but yeah follow follow them on instagram they have a but uh one of the huge sinker cypress uh like stumps they were they had like they were pulling it out of a bog there's a really cool picture of that yeah the one they had to load on like a flatbed yeah and then um i really want to thank thank y'all uh i mentioned last week or last show that uh, the friend of the show, uh, Craig Coons, needed some help, and I've had so much support. I really want to appreciate it. Several people made a point of of not wanting to be mentioned, so I'm going to respect their privacy, but I really want y'all to know that I absolutely appreciate it. Jay Hoffman and uh, Rowe Forge Studios. Kyle Daly, uh, Nicholas Nicholas, and uh, Joe Dees have all donated knives uh, for the silent auction for his um, for his benefit. And I I cannot thank y'all enough. I know how much time and effort and money goes into those knives for y'all to just donate them, and I appreciate it. And as does Craig, I, I've just been incredibly impressed with the. Our listeners are just great people. I'll leave it at that. Uh, thank y'all. Yeah. How's he doing? Do you want to give us give us update here? Or? Yeah, I was actually going to replace Dan's rants with a, an update on Craig. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so y'all just have to wait a minute. Radio tease. <laughs> and then uh, I want to thank David over at uh, uh, Old One-Legged Coot. I have been trying to figure out how to wire a thermostat for a new idea on a quench tank that I'm doing, and he came through big time. I uh, really want to appreciate. I really want to thank you for that. Uh, there is a distinct chance I will neither electrocute myself or burn the shop down now. Nice. Yeah, he's uh, he's an electrical uh guy in the the union up in I think Washington. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's their like safety enforcer person. So I'm sure whatever advice he gave you is real good. I and he. He did. He figured it out, and then talked to some people that do uh, hot water heaters to just double check and verify. So uh, we'll be talking about it soon. Um, I might be following in your footsteps on making some uh, materials for knife makers, and it nice. looks like I'm going to have a. Um, uh, I maybe start selling quench tanks with a, a thermostat on them, so you can plug it in and set the temperature you want your quenching at, and it'll. Uh, It'll regulate itself. Very cool. Nice. Uh, one of my shout outs is a birthday present I got. Uh, I got one of the uh, craft made aprons, uh, Mareko Mamasi of Mamasi Fire Arts. He uh, designed a Kevlar apron, uh, has like a whole bunch of pockets like coming in from the side so they don't fill with a bunch of grit and stuff. So I literally just got it in today. He got ordered a while ago, but got in today and see if I actually like using one of the aprons uh, before I buy one of your fancy schmancy leather ones. <laughs> let me know how, uh, let me know how you like it. Cause I've been, uh, I've been kind of stalking them for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Kevlar. It's supposed to hold up to all the sparks and everything. So I'm excited for that. And still, still on the fence. If I'm going to be, or like using one while I'm grinding or not, but uh, it will be handy to have like, markers and scribes and uh my calipers in my pocket instead of like wherever i decided to set them down last and then can't find them so that'll be good also i got a book uh from a guy that was on the podcast a couple episodes ago jason fry the next his next level knife making book has uh, a ton of people in here uh salem straub straub tracy mickley uh, Laren Thomas wrote a couple, uh, Ed Braun, Joshua Schwanigan, uh, a few people that, uh, Nathan Crothers, uh, wrote, wrote a couple of different chapters on different things in there. So I'm excited to, to read that. So definitely check that book out. And then, uh, wanted to give a shout out to, uh, the micro jig company for their match fit system. It's kind of like a dovetail router thing you can put in plywood and uh has all sorts of different clamping options and stuff i've been making up some uh sled or uh crosscut sleds for uh cutting up some handle material and stuff like that and uh that's making it be making me feel a lot safer when cutting up stuff man and you made the absolute cadillac of crosscut sleds yeah um, I did revision two and it turned out much better than revision one so far, <laughs> yeah. but I've got a little envy. All of a sudden my janky spring clamp stuff into place, uh, crosscut sled is, uh, I'm, I'm feeling unsafe now. <laughs> yeah. I was using like a, uh, feather board 
with push sticks, kind of pushing it through and just always felt not extremely comfortable when using the table saw to rip up the blocks and stuff like that. But this you can like get your hands both out of the way, push it straight through, pull it straight back. Uh, everything's good. Mm -hmm. So and uh, it, it, it would sound like bragging if you did this next one. So I'll do it for you. <laughs> um, with uh, Blade Show East coming up, uh, our very own Kyle Daly will be doing a decorative file work class again. That's going to be on Saturday uh, from 830 to 930. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to uh, go ahead and reserve your spot because they, God, it pains me to say this, but he actually sold out last year. They sold out three times. They opened it up for additional tickets two other times. Yeah, now, so. now you're really bragging, dude. <laughs> yeah, I got to give Laren a run for his money. So, and uh, young guns. When you want to come find Kyle and I, uh, you can find Kyle at table 3BB. And uh, I'll be at booth 537. Come by, yep. we'll have some swag. I don't know what it is, but it'll be awesome. You'll love it. <laughs> At least some stickers and stuff. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to do a quick Dan's book corner, uh, and then we'll get to an update, update about Craig. This week, this episode, tonight, whatever we're calling it, it's uh, 127 Hours by um, Aaron Ralston. A really phenomenal story about a really tough guy that, you know... Good decisions don't make great stories. And he, like all of us, made some really basic mistakes that he knew better then and wound up getting his arm trapped between a basically between two really large rocks or between the the side of a ravine, a rock, and wound up having to amputate his own arm uh, to get free to go to try to find help before he died of dehydration. Uh, and it is a, a, a really compelling story about how he got in that situation. Um, the two or three days that it took for him to realize that he was going to die if he didn't cut his own arm off and then what it took to do that and the recovery from it. They did. They made a movie out of it, but like every movie, it's not nearly as detailed or as good as the book. So, absolutely get the book. The movie wasn't nearly as good as the book. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and yeah, I held uh, my pinky up when I said that. <laughs> you know what I enjoy about the movie? No reading. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's put it this way. As we all know, I am brutally dyslexic, and it was worth reading the book. <laughs> Nice. Um, I should tell you guys something. And we'll get into the Craig update. Uh, he has been doing great. Uh, he's been able to sit up uh, up to about three hours, which you know, I, I've talked about that after spending time with Craig and his recovery, how quickly um, you come to appreciate little things. Sitting up for three hours doesn't sound like much, but it is a milestone for him. Um, he's got a little foam tube that he can stick a fork in. And if he uses that, he can feed himself. Again, this is vast improvement from a month ago when he could move his eyes and kind of talk. So he's, he's making huge progress. 
the hospital's thinking minimum of three months, but three to six months, and he will be in a wheelchair, which is the minimum requirement for him to leave the hospital. Um, unfortunately, yesterday, um, I was I was on my way to go see him, and Leah let everybody know that he's had a setback. He has lost the ability to speak. The doctors don't know why. They're looking at restarting the treatment again. Uh, he can text. He's still got his cognitive abilities, but just for some reason, um, he, he can't speak. I uh, texted with him today, and his again, I, I'm blown away by his ability to stay positive, uh, even, even with setbacks like this. Doctors still believe that he is going to be able to make a full recovery, that this is just a setback, but it's... Uh, it's a little bit of a rough one for him, and uh, sorry to hear that. I will, uh, I will keep y'all in touch or keep y'all up to date as things uh, continue to improve. Yeah, thank you uh, for all the the people that have stepped up and donated and stuff for that too. So, no, it's uh, means a lot to him. Yeah, um, the the time and the money that people have been willing to donate, and you know, nowadays thoughts and prayers seem like a, a cheap throwaway term, but it it means something. And even those that have just reached out to let me know that they're thinking about him, I, I appreciate it and he appreciates it. For sure. Um, and now we'll, uh, without too much further ado, we will unmute Dylan's uh, microphone. For those of you that for somehow missed uh, show number 009, y'all will know that Dylan Fletcher was my, my unofficial mentor. Um, he was working in Andy Roy's shop when I started my, uh, my internship or my, uh, apprenticeship. And after three or four months, Dylan decided that I was going to be around and he would talk to me. And after about six months, uh, he actually decided that maybe I was worth taking an interest in. And although Andy was my, my official on the books mentor, I learned as much or more from Dylan, uh, unofficially as I did from, from Andy. <laughs> Um, and, and you would think that I would have a, a sense of debt to Dylan, but I don't. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Dylan? Okay, I was kidding about muting his mic. Did you mute his mic? No, <laughs> he muted his own mic. It was, you gotta, you gotta, it's not a Dylan yeah. Fletcher episode unless something goes wrong. <laughs> You got to click the little microphone. Now, there. Oh, now you're just fucking with us. Is it working? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it's working. <laughs> now it's working. You can hear me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> I thought you guys were messing with me. Dan's over here building himself up. Like all of a sudden I started liking him or something. And I'm like, I want to chime in. Let him know. I still don't like you. What are you talking about? Like I got used to him being around. That smell kind of wears off after a while, you know? You know, I'm like that annoying rash that eventually you just kind of get comfortable with. Well, do you remember like how how like what that first day was like? I showed up. I didn't like, know you. You were yes, I, yes. I, I remember that. I showed up. I had been gone on vacation for like a week, and now there's just some other douchebag in there. And I was like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> hey, look, temporary uh, guy number four. Get out of the way. <laughs> now, nah, Dan Dan was super super nice, and uh. Yeah, man, he stuck it out. How anybody sticks it out in that environment, I have no idea. 
Hey, it's really rough. Like it really is. We warned people up front. We were like, listen, you got to have thick skin to be in here. Yeah. Like not only are we going to screw with you nonstop, but you're also going to get like some very harsh critiques from that. <laughs> the Mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want me to tell you why this sucks? <laughs> mm. Man. Uh, hey, do you, I'm sorry. Are you finished with this? <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. Did you forget where the broom is? Those metal shavings aren't going to clean themselves up. Yeah. There was a fair amount of that. Well, (laughs) well, actually you weren't even on vacation. You'd been gone for like three months shooting in California. Was that what it was? Yeah. Something like that. I didn't even remember what the thing was happening. Yeah. You were on. I'm definitely not going to remember now because I started drinking. I noticed uh, every time you guys start asking each other how things are going, you got this story that makes people cry like old yeller just got shot. So I had to go get myself <laughs> a bottle of liquor. Uh, I saw you misjudge that first swallow. Woo! Yeah, it was a little bit more stiff than I remembered it. That's what she said. <laughs> nice. Yeah. For the, for the listeners to have a list to episode nine, uh, some people said that that, Dylan episode wasn't long enough. Uh, so oh hopefully <laughs> whoever said that was absolutely <laughs> stupid. Not that I want I to all... insult any of your listeners, but those people were dumb. It, it's been a few years. I don't know if I've got that kind of stamina anymore. Yeah. yeah. I had, I had a few people said, you should have edited this. I said, you should have heard what it was wrong. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> that was probably rough. Yeah. yeah. That was a seven hour recording session that we got three hours of material out of. You know, I was, I yeah. was also a lot, a lot more, uh, unhinged Drunk. back then. These days I've, <laughs> I've definitely calmed down a lot. Like, a you know, especially having to deal with like teachers, like second grade teachers and stuff all the time. Like I've really had to curb how I speak. And uh, I actually, uh, <laughs> earlier tonight, I texted Dan, are we still doing this? What did you say? You said, you said, hold on, let me dry off and put some pants on. Dude, I had jokes. <laughs> I had jokes at the ready. And I actually texted him back. I'm self-censoring a really funny joke right now. <laughs> and I could tell he was on the other line like, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty good. Who are you and what have you done with Dylan? <laughs> oh, man. man you know, parenting uh, will change you, won't it? It really will. It really will. It's not even necessarily the parenting. It's it's the, uh, I call it the significant look. It's the look that you get from your significant other when you're embarrassing the absolute crap out of them in front of some sort of school administration or something. Like uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, you ask a question, the- when you ask a question like, how come you don't wear makeup? And your wife looks at you with that, what in the hell are you doing look? (laughs) Beth quit going to those with me. She's just like, look, one or the other, but I can't be there with you. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Sarah doesn't want me within like 100 yards of the school now. She's like a a court. She's like, you're not allowed anywhere near those schools. I've gotten to the point that I'm okay embarrassing Beth. It's when I embarrass the boys that... If I were capable of feelings, I would feel a little uncomfortable. That part is a little rough. I think that there's been a couple of times where Fury was like, yo, dude, you think you could shut up? You're not ruining things for you. You're just ruining them for me. <laughs> and and he, he, he like gets this look on his face like, uh, you know, his, his next school week is just going to be awful. And I'm like, all right, I realize it's my fault. You know, it was kind of a 
do you want me to pass this grade? Yeah, right? <laughs> He's like, dude, I was an A student until you opened your mouth. <laughs> you know, I, it was one of those situations where on one hand, I was really proud of Alex for being comfortable and being willing to speak up. And on the other hand, I was a, a little embarrassed to myself, but where Alex is like, um, hey, dad, uh, would you mind just not doing that anymore? It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> and on one hand, I'm like, oh, I'm so You're like, proud I of respect what you said, son, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud of this kid for being able to look at his dad and say, please stop that. I mean, I didn't, but I was really proud of him. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Now I'm going to ninja kick you in the head to remind you what's what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought that was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so stuff. So, so Dylan, what have you been up to for the last uh, couple years? Well, uh, yeah, thing you did the Knife Perspective podcast and then you disappeared. <laughs> I mean, that was well, that's I, I hit he, the peak. What do you do after that? How do you top it? Fair point. You, know, you make it on Knife Perspective and you're like, I gotta quit now. This is it. <laughs> um, let's see. I've been mostly I've been making uh, marketing videos on YouTube for a uh, a gun store that I work for. A buddy of mine, there's a local gun store down here that was like uh, a I'm landmark. Sorry. I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you for a second. Uh, I need for you to do the rest of the interview as Scotty McScotsman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we are today to tell you what happened to Forsyth Gun and Poon. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, it makes my throat bleed when I do that accent. I think it makes everyone else's ears bleed. Um, but yeah, so so a buddy of mine, he ended up buying the store. Uh, the woman who owned it, her her husband had cancer, and she had her own stuff going on. The store got robbed twice. Like someone actually drove a truck through the front of it. Mm. And uh, when that kind of stuff happens, like your insurance premiums go through the roof. There's a lot of problem with getting insurance to pay for stock that you lost, and it really just kind of took that store down. And uh, my buddy had been working there for like 10 years. And so he called me up and he said, I'm going to buy for Scythe Gun and Pawn. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And uh, he did. <laughs> he was like, I want you to come in and help me build this store up. And so I've been working with him and making the videos and stuff, which is pretty great. Because he, he's basically just like, do whatever you want. You know, he gives me some stuff where he's like, uh, people want you to talk about this gun. We want you to review this ammo, you know, take a look at this thing stuff. But other than that, he's like, just do whatever you want. And so right. it's, it's a pretty good gig. I can't hate it, and but that's some, pretty much what I've been doing. And, and it's a sneaky combination of educational and, and funny. Yeah. Like, obviously I've got my favorite characters, but the, uh, the episode you did on the, the SKSs and telling, how to tell, like, this is good Eastern uh, block, well-manufactured. This is Chinese shit. This is the parts <laughs> that are interchangeable. That that was a pretty solid example of not literally hands-on, but the kind of information that you wind up spending three hours searching the Internet for and you're not sure of your sources. Yeah, versus... I try to trick people into learning. <laughs> yeah, it's, You are uh... a dad. There's um like every once in a blue moon, I'll get something wrong, but I always do a correction if I do. But a lot of the stuff, like I, I definitely try to sneak in a lot of information that, like you said, people would scour the Internet and there would be 500 different websites that say different stuff. But this is like gun knowledge that I've had 
that I've been building for the last, you know, uh, 34 years. And because well, I've, I've always been into the same stuff. And frequently you've got one where you can go this right here. See it very frequently, <laughs> almost every time I've been very lucky. There's, there's a couple of times when, uh, I'll really want to talk about a gun and I won't do it because I don't own one. And I don't really want to talk about something if I don't have it where I can show people what it looks like in a hand, what it looks like to be shot and stuff by basically a regular person. Like I'm not, you know, a Grand Thumb or Demolition Ranch or somebody like that. Like I'm a pretty normal dude and I don't necessarily have have access to to the same stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, like when I shoot, like I'm not, I'm not trying to teach people some sort of like super precision bench rest stance with the right kind of jacket and stuff. Like I'm just some dude in a t-shirt and some really bad looking shorts, uh, with incredible tennis shoes mm. that, uh, just goes out there and shoots guns like a normal person. I am a little, little jealous of your van collection. Dude, my shoes are serious, serious shoes. I actually haven't bought any in a while. I'm about due for a new pair, but that means that I have to explain to my wife why I'm spending money on shoes because she, she's going to be there when it happens and that's not going to work out well. Yeah. And, uh, um, you don't let her buy it. You don't let her buy a pair and you get a pair. Um, well, I, I don't necessarily have to let her buy anything. <laughs> like <laughs> there isn't a pair of shoes that comes through that place that she doesn't want, that she doesn't get. So it works. We have an agreement. I don't have to explain certain knife purchases, and she doesn't have to explain her shoe purchases. For Beth and I, it was um, going to the uh, the hairdresser and going to the gun range. There right were, on. There were two bills that we just never looked at. <laughs> yeah, that's a good trade-off. That's pretty good. I've explained to uh, several people at the gun store. They'll be like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, I, I got that battle axe at home, that ball and chain. And I'll be like, dude. Let me tell you what you do. You're going to leave here right now and you're going to go to Shane company and you're going to fill out their credit, their credit thing, their, their credit thing at Shane company is awesome. Yes. You're playing, you're paying a thousand percent markup, but it's like, it's free money. It's on credit. Like, I mean, do you even have to pay that back? I don't even know. It's, <laughs> the payments are so small, dude, you're going to invest. You're going to one time you're going to go there and you're going to fill out a form and you're going to have a line of credit sh- with Shane company and every time you leave to the gun store, you go straight to Shane Company and pick out something that's stupid. Because your gun, your gun costs you twelve hundred. This is gonna cost you thirty-five dollars a month. Yeah. But <laughs> just think about what you get. And they're like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, dude, this is what I do. <laughs> man, I had a local guy that he took spent forty cal brass and would polish it and cut it off right behind the well, right behind the head. Mm-hmm. And put a, a little fake stone where the primer would have gone and make stud earrings out of them. And I'd keep a, a handful of those at the booth at shows. And when somebody gave me the, oh, you know, I would, but my wife, I'm like, tell you what, dude, you buy this pair of earrings right here for your wife for 300 bucks, and I'll give you that knife for free. Nice. <laughs> that's a good one. I got to remember that. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's real yeah. good. Tell you what, man. We'll give you we'll give you this free Whitney Houston album from the eighties that you can't get anymore on vinyl. <laughs> and uh we're just gonna charge you uh, uh fifteen hundred bucks for it and you get this this scorpion for free. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's that's basically what I've been doing. I mean I've uh you know, what's funny is the knife shop is on the property. 
where I go shoot all of these videos. So like I've seen it every day. I've gone in there a million times to do various things. And then uh, the other day, man, it just got me. <laughs> well, which, I mean, that, that brings us to the question of why are you back? Well, I mean, literally there hasn't been a week that goes by since I stopped making knives. Uh, I mean, it's been a couple of years now. It was like, um, what was it, like maybe six months before COVID started or something like that. I, I pretty much just kind of closed up shop. And um, literally not a week has gone by that somebody doesn't email me or send me a text message or something. They're like, yo, man, when are you going to start making knives again? Uh, this and that. And I've, I've told everybody, like, I basically have six knives that are sitting on the workbench that are profiled. And those are going to be the knives that I work on next. It's just I, I, I haven't been feeling it to the point where, like, if I went in there and I tried to grind those things, I would have just screwed them up because I wouldn't have been having fun. It wouldn't have been a good thing. And uh, one of those is actually Kyle's knife. Kyle's got a blade blank sitting on the bench right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been working on his uh, Kephart for two years, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That thing's got a nice, he's got a nice quarter-inch thick piece of 154 CM sitting on the sitting on the bench right now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but, Oh, shit. You were supposed to make something for me, too, off of the last podcast. Look that shit was up I? Now. Yeah, look it up. I don't even remember what that was. It was a Highlander or a High Plains. High Plains Drifter. Yeah. You oh, might be remembering that. Kyle's knife. Wait. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I got it recorded. We've got this. Sh- we got these shows I'll have recorded. to go look I'm- at it after this. I'll have to look up the statute of limitations and stuff. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, yeah. I guess it was like uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. I decided that I was going to make a couple of leather sheaths for some of these knives that I had sitting around that I had made and I just never made sheaths for them. And um, so I got out all my leather stuff and I started carving these sheaths and I had to go into the shop to do stuff. And I flipped on the grinder and it was like I hit a crack pipe. I was like, oh, I remember this. (laughs) And uh, oh, excuse me, had to burp up some liquor. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was it. Coming out of your mouth. It, <laughs> but that was it. I mean, I, I flipped on the grinder and then I started looking at all these. I mean, I've got bars of steel and tons of like super exotic handle materials you can't even get anymore that are just sitting around. And I was like, you know, I think I might finally be at that point where like I can make the things I want to make. Because mm. one of the big things was I was having to make stuff to sell. Yep. And if you're doing it as a career, there's a lot of that work. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you love making knives. There's a lot of that work that you don't want to do. As there's like there's there's sometimes when you're like, I'm just sick of I'm I'm sick of making this knife. Like I don't mind making knives. I don't mind making fun stuff. I like using fun handle materials. But I done I did this one 39 times. Like I don't I don't want to do it again. I I quote you frequently, and I don't know. <laughs> this is one of those ones that I don't know if you even remember it or not. And I don't always give you credit on it, but when I was just getting to that tipping point where I was, I was moving from a guy that was trying to uh, a maker and uh, you, you sat me down and you're like, right now you have to decide, are you going to be a knife maker? Or are you going to be a guy that makes knives? Cause a knife maker has got to pay the bills. Yeah. A guy that makes knives can do whatever he wants. When he makes a nice knife, he can keep it. Cause that's what it was. It was my first really decent knife and I was going to keep it. And you sat me down. You're like, no, right now you got to decide what are you going to do? And that's a tough decision. 
Yeah. Like that, you know, and even back then when I would tell people that it wasn't because I was trying to steer them to either being a knife maker or being a hobby maker or something. It was just to try to impress upon them. Like this really is a big decision. Like if you're going to do this as a career, you're going to be working. You're going to be doing this until you're sick of it. Like you're going to keep going. And you're going to do stuff that you don't want to do because you got to pay the rent. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, some people can get away without having to do that. You know, they license tons of designs to, you know, who knows, Buck or Boker or somebody like that. And they can get away with not having to do a production style knife themselves. But um, I was just never really hitting that point. Like I had had people talk to me about uh, licensing designs and it just nothing ever really came from it. Most of the people who come by and talk to you about that stuff um, frivolously are just totally full of crap. Uh-huh. Uh there's one very specific person who loves shorts that is known for doing that, that he'll come by and he'll be like, Oh man, I love this. Let's work together. Let's do this. Never hear from him again. Um, or you'll get, tell you what, we'll give you $500 and we'll give you 50 knives a year. You can sell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get that and you definitely like, get that well, a lot. Or I could just make, keep making it myself and make eight times that. You know, one of the companies, now I can't say that this is real, like I can't vouch for it, but I heard this from a couple of pretty reputable makers that I know that I'm friends with. They said that uh, Boker is actually an incredible company to work with. Really? Like they license your stuff, they take over everything, and they just license, like, they just license stuff that they see. Like you don't have to like design something and then submit it and then be like, well, we like this, but we don't like that, change this or anything like that. They just come to your table at Blagio and they just start picking stuff out and then they whip out contracts right there on the spot. And they're like, we're ready to do this right now. Sign this. We're giving you money. And you just license a design. They pay you a fee. They pay you a royalty. And that's it. I hope that's true because I like Boker. I do. You know, uh, I had a problem with them. Oh, man. What was that guy's name? He had a tree. It was his uh, logo. Um. Oh, man. Uh, He was a real young guy, and he and his wife were at their blade show table. This was back in, like, uh, maybe 2011 or something like that. Jarrett Fleming. That's him. Jarrett Fleming. Fleming Knives. And uh, attorneys from Boker, from Boker Tree Brand, the German uh, thing, came by. And they said, here's a cease and desist right now of using your logo if you don't take everything and like stash it away right now and quit using our logo. We're going to sue your pants off. And from what I understand, they were very rude to his wife because he wasn't standing there. That's and so they were talking to her and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if she knew how to, how to handle the situation or what, but I remember at the time being like, wow, that's Dick. I can't believe that, you know, they would do that. And his logo, I mean, he was like some, you know, no disrespect to him, but a very small time knife. Yeah. Like he wasn't anybody. You know, he's just some dude who's making and selling knives. No, I remember and, him. Um, he was working on being an up-and-comer. Yeah, yeah. And he was making good stuff. Uh, but that, it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. But then um, I got to be kind of friendly acquaintances with Brad Zinker. And uh, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he designed these really thin, super lightweight titanium, like frame locks and stuff where they were like incredible steels and lots of titanium ball bearings instead of uh, like bushings and stuff like that. Just really, really cool stuff. And his knives just, 
operated like they were soaked in oil. They were incredible. And he started working with Boger, Boker, and Boker did him right. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was another guy uh, who's actually a local in Georgia whose name escapes me right the second. Uh, maybe his name was Dan. I think it was just Dan Knives was the name of his thing. And he was making really, really cool, like kind of palm size stuff. And um, Boker walked over to his table and just started picking stuff out. And he was like, what are you doing? And they said, these are all the designs we want to license right now. You know, here's some stuff, sign this. And he was like, whoa. And he read through all of it. And he was like, dude, it was legit. And he signed it all the way right there and made a deal right there on the spot for a a pretty good chunk of money, if I remember correctly. So I've heard that they're pretty good. Yeah. If you want to come by the Cage Daily Dives uh, table, <laughs> come on by. Right on. <laughs> Boker, check out Kyle. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have my attorney on speed dial. We can have this worked out by lunch. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's definitely uh, uh, on the list of advice that I always give to new knife makers now is telling them, listen, you're going to if if you're good. You're going to have people come around at Blade Show and stuff like that. They're going to start talking about licensing designs. What you need to know is that 90% of it is just blowing smoke up your butt. Yeah. And the 10% that there is, uh, about 90% of that time, you're going to get screwed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's very few knife companies that, that I would license the design to and think that everything was going to turn out like, like you want it. Very rarely is there enough meat on the bone for everybody. And they're going to make sure you get the last bite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it gets to be a double-edged sword in that if you can do, if you can get enough successful patterns to get some weight behind you, then you can start determining or dictating terms. But there's that, that getting started point where you really don't have, you don't have a lot to bring to the table. I always wondered how the long-term relationship was between Ethan Becker and K-Bar. Because um, I never talked to him about that. I never asked him anything about what, what it was like working with K-Bar or anything like that. He has been, he's been really happy with them. I mean, they're still making knives together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got, I think, two new patterns coming out. and I mean, with as long as they've been in bed together, it would lead me to believe, especially from somebody like Ethan, that um that would be a a decent company to work with yeah you know ethan showed us that uh uh who was that ontario what was the company ontario was it ontario that went under and he had to buy his own name back oh god um uh camillus yeah it was yeah camillus yeah Um, had to buy his own name back from that company and like It's a little bit of, I mean, on one hand, it sucks that he was there, but it was a little bit of a heartwarming story in that, you know, it was an auction. Like he had to show yeah. up. Yeah. He had to go to the auction. And, That's crazy. Yeah. And bid on his own name. And there were a That's bunch crazy. of people there that like someone would start to bid and they're like, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. And it it yeah. cost him $100 to get his own name back. Yeah, yeah. Because there were a bunch of industry people that knew he was getting done wrong that showed up that are like, "Nope, you're not bidding." Yeah, I think he. I think if I remember right, he said in his uh, in the podcast we did with him, Ag Russell yep. basically said, "Anybody who bids against 
uh, Ethan to get his name back, we aren't going to do business with. Mm. And back so, then they were the that they were the the first, the last, and the only. Oh yeah. What do you guys think of old AG? Anyone ever asked you? <laughs> they haven't. No. no. Um, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah. Tell me what you know about AG Russell. <laughs> so, on one hand, he is the reason the industry is where it is today. Because, as I understand it, he w- he had a line of sharpening stones that he wanted to sell, and he went to a couple of makers and said, "Try these stones out. If you like them." I'm going to do advertisements where you talk about that. You like my stones and it got this mutually beneficial, you know, you're supporting my stones. I'm supporting you. And there are those that say he's kind of the personally, I don't know him, never met the man, but I have heard people talk about, he's kind of the godfather of the modern knife industry. Mm. So that's who I have to blame. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want? Yeah. Have, have I ever told you told you about uh, my one time uh, having communications with AG Russell? You have not. So this is right after I started making knives, and at the time there were like four people total in the entire knife industry that were doing convex saber grinds. Like it just oh. it didn't exist. Oh. And yeah. uh, I'm gonna let you finish the story, but yes, and, I remember and we were, this. And we were really, really good at doing them. Like we, like me and Andy, I mean, you know, I, I don't brag about it too much as much these days. I bragged about it a lot more then. But me and Andy really perfected the convex saber grind. Like Bark River Knife and Tool, Mike Stewart is awesome. They did a great job. Uh, but honestly, like if I had to put some of the knives that me and Andy were making up against those, I would have chosen ours all day long. Well, you were doing that low, low angle kind of apple seed, an efficient convex grind. Yeah. I mean, we were like the convex grinds that we were doing. The reasons why you wanted a convex grind were the reasons why we shaped them the way that we did. Yeah. Like it definitely forced material in certain directions and stuff like that. Like we really put a lot of thought into it. It's like an artist and an engineer got together. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Andy's definitely the engineer. (laughs) <laughs> and um so I and I had just started making knives and I didn't I didn't have like a name at the time. Nobody was breaking down the door for a Fletcher knife or anything like that. Uh, luckily my first customer um in public had actually been Ethan Becker. He bought my first knife that I ever sold at Blade Show. And that was pretty cool, but other than that, like I had no notoriety or anything. And so one time on Blade forums, I post up uh, some knives that I had made. And I was like, yeah, everybody check these out. And I mean, this might've been like my 30th knife around somewhere around there. And AG Russell comes on and he says, why are you calling these convex grinds when they're clearly hollow grinds and you don't know your terminology oh. and all this stuff and basically blast me. And this is in a for sale thread. And all I could think is who is this a-hole who's clearly punching from the top of the tower yeah. down at the dude who's like, I'm a pleb in this industry. I'm a nobody. And this dude is going to come into my for sale thread and bust my balls and say that like my grinds aren't even what I'm saying that they are. And so I decided that the absolute best thing that I could do was I took a needle and laid it flat on the flat part of the blade at the top of the saber grind. 
and took a picture of it and then posted it. And I said, AG, what do you call this? And it showed that the blade is like clearly oh, curving. Oh, no, down no, no, no. You didn't say, AG, what do you call this? I believe you said, hey, old man. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely went in on him. I definitely went in on him because I was pissed. I was so yeah. mad that this dude just came in and did this. And I remember thinking, what kind of person does that? And I, I like, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, send me a private message. Don't blow up yeah, a sales don't thread. come into my public thing. And try to say, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he came around at Blade Show one year. And he was talking to me and Andy about something. I can't even remember what it was. And he handed me his catalog. And he said, this is our new print catalog coming out. What do you think? And I, I literally took it and <laughs> acted like I look at it. And I said, all of these suck. And I just thrust it back into his hands. And he was like, <laughs> he just kind of stood there stunned looking at me for a second. And then Andy was like, I don't think he likes you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you insulted him in a sales thread or something yeah i couldn't I, oh man i mean it was all i could do to just not kick that cane out from under him ah yeah, yeah. i don't hold any grudges though ag if you by some crazy chance see this i uh, forgive you for your transgressions and i mean I he will hear you from heaven yeah <laughs> hey he might see this i don't know <laughs> Hey, I don't know if they got Wi-Fi. Hey, I am, I have got <laughs> legitimate reason to believe that each and every night that we have a show, heaven is tuned into the knife perspective. Probably, probably. Yep. And you guys pre-record this, so in heaven they're getting everything like three weeks behind. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's heaven. People in heaven calling up, being like, "Hey, that dude Dylan Fletcher's back to making knives." Now nah, he quit again. That was three weeks ago. He quit two weeks ago. Uh, well, we got to do something about a lightning strike. My bad. Yeah, it turns out he was drunk that week, and he decided it was all a big problem. <laughs> no, it's heaven, man. They get the live stream unedited. Right on. Kyle, yeah. um, Kyle doesn't get a chance to get all the f bombs out. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of. Doe! Doe! Come on, I said doe. How many times do I have to? All right, well, my son's not going to catch this episode. <laughs> there, dance muted. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him going. <laughs> He's talking away. That's funny. He doesn't know He's he has to going. unmute himself. Yeah, he's still talking. <laughs> Dan, we can't hear you. Oh, there he goes. Now he's got it. <laughs> Yes, I Canada. Oh, here. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. So, what have you guys been doing with your lives since I've been gone? I've been keeping up with both of you. You're both still making stuff that looks cool. That's hey, good. Yeah. I, you know, you Dan's Kephart cool. design has broken the mold and gone global and is doing amazing. I watched you going down to the jungle all the time with your shirt off, looking awesome and buff. Thank you. That was pretty cool. Kyle, I've been watching all your stuff, all your kitchen knives and everything. Yeah. Using all that yeah. uh, petrified Kira Knightley on all your stuff. <laughs> Safe to stabilize Kira Knightley. Um, yeah. You, you ready to feel old as old as <clears throat> Dylan? Okay. What? Um, remember that kid that you used to take to the, the shooting range? Oh, man. I've been looking at pictures of him. He's huge. Yeah. He's gigantic. A, a freshman in college. <laughs> Yeah, and from what I understand, a good shooter now. Yeah. I would love to go shooting with him now. Um, that would be excellent. We're going to have to meet up sometime. Dude, I bet he could outshoot me any day of the week these days. You know, every so often when I'm I'm hard on cash, I go down to the, the sporting clays, and I'll be like, all right, 
Uh, Ten bucks a bird. (laughs) Let's make it 15 and I'll take that kid over there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See that little white boy? (laughs) (laughs) Jack's over there with his socks pulled up into his knees and his hat on backwards. Huh, me? (laughs) Yeah. I used to be able to do that. I can't get away with it anymore. It's been like a decade since I've been able to go into a gun range and be like, hey, man, I think I could shoot your gun better than you. Well, yeah, that's what happens. And people be like, oh, prove it. I'll shoot you for range time right now. That's what happens when you become world-renowned video extraordinaire. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. One of my my favorite uh, Dylan Fletcher uh, Instagram posts, I even have it saved. You you were in a Baskin-Robbins and some guy said you had that top shot shirt on oh yeah hey i i i I shoot with this guy all the time (laughs) i think i was coming out of a hardware store yeah if i remember it was like yeah and uh yeah and the guy was like you had a blue tongue yeah the guy the guy was like uh he said cool shirt and i said oh yeah you watch the show and he goes yeah and he said yeah i'm good friends with those jesus shoot with them all the time and i remember thinking to myself here's your chance yeah you could say anybody's name right now. Anybody. Are you going to do, yeah. do it or you're not going to do it? You got an 18 to one shot of getting this wrong. Like, go ahead. And he said, yeah, that guy that's the knife maker. And I just I just remember thinking, how's he going to get away with this? <laughs> and I, I was trying to find a way to like nicely say to him, you're full of <laughs> And all that could come out was, well, I am that guy, and I don't know you. <laughs> and he, he stood there and argued with me for like 10 minutes. I mean, I took out my ID, and he's like, nah, it's a different guy. And I was like, come on, dude. You got like, to give this up. At some point, you just got to know you're busted and you're a liar. Yeah. Dylan's like, throw on the towel. All right, I'm going to be nice. You know what I should have done? I should have been like, well, give me your phone number, and uh, I'm going to get in touch with the dude, and I'll see if he knows you. And then I should have called him and been like, hey, this is the guy from Top Shot. You want to go shooting? And then I show up and then be like, hey, man, that dude couldn't make it. But he told he asked me if I wanted to come and just like keep it going, like see how long I could screw with him. Oh, man. Crazy people in this world. For sure. But yeah, for me, uh, I'm uh, full time now doing the doing the knife making stuff. Got the boys are in kindergarten. So I watch them in the morning and drop them off in the afternoon and work for a few hours and then pick them back up. So I did my part. Dylan. I told him not to do it. I sat him down. I explained all the reasons. It was a terrible idea. (laughs) And yet again, another child. For some people, for some people, that career is the calling. It's the way to go. It took me a decade to figure out that it wasn't for me. I mean, I literally did that for 10 years thinking, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is what I want to do and stuff. And then one day I was seriously sitting there one day and I think I was like hand filing a group of handles. And I remember thinking like I could literally do this with my eyes closed. These specific handles right here, I wouldn't even have to look at them to see if they're shaped correctly. Cause I've done it too many times and I hate doing these knives. And uh, so then that was it. You know, Kyle, you noticed he quit while he was working on our knives. <laughs> yeah those knives suck actually that's one of the few knives that i like kept doing just in my spare time i've got a huge one like uh right in the next room that's uh, i've got a huge one that's uh <laughs> it's more it's, than two it's really cool yeah that was one of the knives i was actually just making a sheath for was a high flange drifter i love that design that design is righteous yeah yeah 
part of the reason why I asked you for one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got one coming. Blue handles. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what? I was just looking over. Kyle wanted one in CPM 154, and that was going to all be a pain in the ass. And I'm like, no, no, Dylan. one's fine for me. That's easier to work with. Okay, so you found it, and there actually is one? Yeah. Well, okay, okay. I don't have any 01. What I do have is some 1075 if right. you want a homone in it. Ooh. You know I can I hook like that up. Homone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be a nice little forced homone, just a natural homone. Mm-hmm. I can do that. I think I actually have one of those already blanked out, too. <clears throat> that would be pretty easy. I think it was the one that Kyle was going to get. And then he was like, I said stainless, dude. <laughs> And you're all yeah. like, oh shit, that's gonna be like a year. <laughs> I do have, I do have a cool knife sitting right here. Huh? It has some of that that uh, special Dan Eastland only handle material on it. Oh. I, I don't. I guess people can't really. They're not going to be able to see this because this is just an audio thing, right? They're not. But uh, yeah. So here we go. So I'll I'll pull it out of its fancy leather sheath. Oh. Let you see that. Yeah, that's some oh, yeah. firefly right there. Yeah, yeah. That's some of the stuff that was, it was clear blue all the way through. Yep. So I actually backed it with white liners. And uh, the white liners were kind of pearlescent, so they actually reflect light. And uh, yeah, that, that turned out really good. That's sexy. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good knife. It's a good little knife. Kniff. <laughs> Is that the one you got? Uh, you were you were talking about patenting yeah. one of your... Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get around to patenting that uh, that grind, um, which I will. Uh, it's just um, like right that was that was right around like that COVID time and stuff. And I actually knew that it was coming because I had buddies that lived in China that were warning me from like October the previous year. <laughs> they were telling me, you know, buy your toilet paper now; it's all gonna be gone. And I was like, all right. So I'll save yeah, my I money. I never knew the toilet paper thing because, like, COVID doesn't make you have the the runs. That's true. Yeah, but <laughs> if you're gonna be, but there was a shortage on lactate. Well, and if you're gonna be stuck huh? in your house for three months, of all the things you don't want to run out of, toilet paper is kind of like high on the list. Yeah, because the second thing you start running out of is underwear, and then yeah. it's t-shirts, and, and then you're out of socks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could wash those exactly. <laughs> no, no, I'm a disposable diaper family, dude. Yeah, right. Once there's feces <laughs> on it, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But um, we can talk off air, but if you uh, if you want to run a patent on something, I got a guy for you. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I need to get that done eventually. I've had, I've had like three or four of these knives just sitting around for, man, almost three years now that uh, I can't show to anybody. Like I can show them and I can show them from the side. Yeah. You can see this all day long. You'll never know what that does. Oh, Actually, Dan, good. I think that I showed you this in person. Yeah. So I think you saw what yeah. it is. Hey, Kyle, you might yeah. have seen it too. Yeah, I, I think I showed you showed me that one at Blade Show. Yeah. Uh, but I think the one you showed me at Blade Show had like a blue canvas handle, not a Firefly. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a few different versions of it that I ground, like things that have like slightly different thicknesses, slightly different handle lengths and stuff like that. Because I was playing with it for a while before I really got the shape of things the way I wanted it. Oh. Yeah. Side but note now, on the patent thing. When I was doing the Firefly, I got brutally hosed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Any better. And I paid like four times what I should have. 
that was one of the things that was holding me back is everyone, like I talked to a couple of attorneys and man, it was thousands of dollars to get the thing patented. And I was like, man, that seems like a lot. Um, it legitimately, it, you could be looking at five to seven grand, but the Firefly, they were talking like 21, 28 grand. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's um, hard. Yeah. No, it, unfortunately, lessons are not inexpensive. Yeah, that's 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 a lot. I'd almost rather just chase down each person who violates it. Just I'll just tell people like don't use this and then just keep up with it. I'll be like Jay and Silent Bob traveling around the country. Are you posting as Magnolia fan on Blade Forums? <laughs> Did you say here's how the Fletcher Diamond grind is done? Then you I'm are the ball to... licker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to violate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I assure you, this will hurt you more than it'll hurt me. Much more. <laughs> um, nice. So, how's it been? Uh, how's it been coming back with, you know, like you are almost in that golden spot where you get to start, but you get to start with ten years worth of experience. You know, it actually has crossed my mind. I was, I, uh, I chimed in on um, this post that was on the Fiddleback Fanatics page, I think it was like, oh, no, no, no. It was a uh, Georgia Custom Knife Makers Guild. No, Pops Knife Supply. How many shout outs is that in, <laughs> in a row? It was on the Pops Knife Supply forum on Facebook. This guy was asking about what were the best bang for the buck belts that he could get and stuff like that. Now, I don't know where he learned English, but for me, when someone mentions the phrase best bang for the buck, it would lead me to believe that they're talking about being able to get the most longevity out of a product yeah. or getting the most use out of a product or something. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll give this guy some advice. And so I got on there and I, I spoke about, listen, you know, here's something that me and Andy have always tried to tell people from the very beginning, grind your knives like your belts are free. Oh, I saw like, that. Don't worry about how much the belts cost. You know, it, it's not something you should ever take into consideration because the difference between the work that you do with used belts and brand new belts is totally different. And if nothing else, like it'll really make your stuff look more professional. Like your work will just be cleaner. Yeah. And um, man, that guy came back. He, he got him a clap back. He got a clap back on fletching knives. And he was like, I don't skimp on anything. He was like, I don't skimp on anything. And I, you know, I'm, good advice, but I don't need it. And of course he threw in there, I'm a machinist. You know, it's the funny thing about machinists and vegans. You know how you tell if somebody's a machinist or vegan? Wait 30 seconds. <laughs> Am I going to have to yeah, Don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to slip by. You're not going to not know. They'll let you know. <laughs> by the way, shout out to Joe and Nathan. I love yeah. you guys. I love Joe and Nathan. They're the coolest people in the world. So yeah. that, that didn't have to do with you. Yeah, especially when I need handles, like, clippity-clap right now. <laughs> yeah, and they're just the nicest people in the world. I really like them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that dude, he he definitely he took that advice the wrong way. And I wanted to say, I wanted to say so bad, who the hell are you to talk to me like that? <laughs> like, do you have any idea who the dude is who's giving you advice right now? And then I thought, he has no idea. This kid doesn't know who I am. Like, he doesn't know the stuff that I made, like any of my history in the knife business or anything. I was like, and I can't say, like, 
you know, how dare you? I mm. am the steel breathing blade maestro. You know, <laughs> he'll be like, who the hell is that? And so I was just I like, I was grinding perfection when you were sucking on your yeah, mouth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you had a titty in your mouth. Now, uh, I, I, so, and, and, but what was funny is then I got to thinking about, it and I was like, you know, it's very possible that like everyone is, has just forgotten about me. Like I could have just slipped off into the ether. I mean, there are people emailing me like every week and stuff, but those are people who know me. Like it's mostly other knife makers who are like, Hey man, when are you getting back to it? I really like seeing your stuff. Like, you know, it was really cool to see some of the stuff you came up with. And a lot of it was people that I like gave advice to that, you know, they would post something on one of my videos on YouTube, like, Hey, you know, really like the video. What would you say about this? And I would end up writing them this email back. That was just 16 hours worth of research, like put into the thing. And be like, Oh my God. Yeah. And they'd be like, I can't believe you went into this much detail. I'm a professional now. Uh, you know, those are really the only people that were hitting me up. Like there's a few customers, but it's, it's mostly other knife makers. So I started thinking, I was like, you know, what if there's like not that many of my customers around anymore? Like I've got a few who will always be there. Gus Gonzalez, one of the coolest dudes ever. I don't know if he buys knives from you guys. He's really big into orange. Super, super okay. nice dude. He owns the most Fletcher knives of anybody who owns Fletcher knives, including myself. He has like three times as many as I do. That's impressive. And so, th you know, that's a dude who I've, I've kept up with over the years. And uh, there's there's a few like that. But I started thinking, you know, if I could come into the knife scene now when there aren't there isn't like just thousands of people who are expecting to see the Fletcher knives that there were, yeah. they'll just see some new knife maker come on the scene. that's just making ridiculous stuff with sick file work and like he's got his own pin material with his logo in it and stuff. I was like, that might actually be yeah. stupid easy. <laughs> who is this kid that's nailing grinds? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start lying and being like, I'm 16. <laughs> I just learned. I went. I went to one hammer in, and I was like, I'm gonna make knives. You know, play it off as some sort of miracle. I got visited in the night, and he said, "You will make knives." And Thor laid his hands upon yeah. me. <laughs> I have to cut the goatee a little shorter. Yeah, and dye it. <laughs> it's quite a bit wider now than it used to be. My son loves to bring that up. He's like, wow, you've got so much gray hair now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're still a lot Thanks. smaller than me. <laughs> Look, you're seven. I can start Thanks over. It's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I would never go through that again. Having a baby was the worst. It's so bad. One of, the things, one of the things my dad would say was, I'll put you, or I'll send you back where you came from. And my mom would go, no, you aren't. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's definitely some things I took into consideration. Like, you know, when I came back, uh, was I going to have customers coming around that were expecting the same stuff that would be disappointed that that's not what I was making. But I think that I left everything pretty well buttoned up. Like when I stopped, I, I was very vocal about the reasons why I was getting out of it. And like anybody who asked me, I wouldn't sugarcoat it. You know, I would talk about other people in the industry that we're making a bad name for it and ruining it. And I wouldn't say specific names, but I would definitely tell them like the kind of stuff that goes on in the industry that your average customer doesn't know about and how it can really make it a bummer if it's what you're doing as a career. By the way, Kyle, congratulations on going full time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thanks. actually you did a good job. You wrapped it up. I mean, you really, you, you only left two orders unfilled. 
I mean, that's a. Yeah, it was actually three. <laughs> There's this one guy <laughs> who has an an order for um, I think it's ten knives, and uh, I mean, luckily he's he's a buddy of mine. I've known him forever because he definitely never lets me forget. He's like, hey, hey, good to see you. Did you bring those knives? <laughs> Like, dude, I saw you yesterday. And he's like, oh, I just thought you might have finished them. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I haven't gotten to them. Yeah, I mean, technically, that's, I mean, te- yeah, sure, technically, it's one order, but dude, that's ten knives. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is, I mean, he's he's been paid back. Like he, we we had some trade stuff going on that was uh had to do with gun stuff, and he has gotten enough out of me since then that I don't know him. <laughs> so. Um, on the note of what you used to do, what you're going to do, are you, are you going to continue on a trail of awesomeness? Or are you going to reinvent Fletcher knives? Like, are you, uh, it's definitely going to be some... knives. I don't know. No, and <laughs> <laughs> dude, I can't even compete with you guys. Why on earth would I make kitchen knives? I'm going to come into it and people would be like, why are you charging so much for crap when I can get a cage daily for a thousand dollars that makes yours look like, <laughs> <laughs> Look at your file work. It sucks compared to his. Oh, I see how it I is. don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, we're not worried about Dan's. He, he doesn't do file work. When are you going to yeah, start Dan. file work and everything, dude? It, as soon as my file work is better than Kyle's, I'll start doing it. You know, you could do the same thing that I did. I started cheating. I cheated so bad. Uh, the, the best thing you could do with file work is do an inch of it. Yeah. That was like the yeah. greatest thing I ever did. Was I was like, dude, it's that little pop of flair. It's saying like I could do sick file work. No, I'm, and this is how much you get. <laughs> so also do a do like big radiuses with the the small contact wheel. That's yeah. a good good Super feat easy. too. So full disclosure, I've got like six more months to try and catch up on the back orders from when I had all those surgeries. And then I'll finally start to be able to make knives for me again. And You'll start seeing file work again, uh, or see, you'll start seeing file there work. There you are again, stuck, stuck in those orders. Man, Gotta get those other knives finished. You warned me. <laughs> I mean, you warned me that I was going to get to the point where I hated having orders. Like at first, yeah. I was young, and orders meant income, and I was excited. And you're like, you know, what, dude, you're going to hate that. You need well, to- plus, there's a certain part of that where you, you know, you kind of feel like you made it. Like you've got you've got books open. Yeah, you got people who want your stuff so bad that they're willing to wait. Like, that's pretty cool. I'm grinding this knife, thinking about the R&D knife that I really want to do and pissed off that it'll be six weeks before I can get time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why That's why I took my route, man. I went and uh, I started doing all the gun videos and stuff, yeah. which is, by the way, like the best gig for me in the world. Yeah. Like someone pays me to go out and like blast off a bunch of ammo and blow stuff up and act like a total idiot, which I'm very good at. And, uh, yeah, most definitely. People are like, you should have been doing this the whole time. I was like, I was. I just wasn't getting paid. Dylan's and, uh, we'll do videos for ammo. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's pretty much what it was. For a lot of it, For you know, a lot of people think, because I am getting paid a decent amount of money. Like, I won't lie about that. I, I get paid enough doing those videos to where I don't have to have another job, which is which is outstanding. That's you know, sweet. that's that's dude, that's American dream level right yeah. there. But I feel so guilty because it feels like what I'm doing is so much fun that no one should be paying me to do it that I usually pay for like, like, uh, there's sometimes when, when, uh, Jason will give me ammo to test 
other than that, I'm paying for the ammo that I use. Like I pay for the props. I pay for a lot of stuff. I buy guns that are, that I'm going to have in the video. Dude, you should have been raised Catholic. I'm immune to guilt. <laughs> yeah you guys go say like three hail marys and do six jumping jacks and you're good to go yeah man it has no effect on me whatsoever you're like wait this isn't anything new we're only concerned with original sin this is just this is the same old same old <laughs> i've got a button i just reach back <laughs> a button you just just it just says empty trash yeah. or empty recycling bin you just hit that oh, button nope sorry i don't feel guilty anymore <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but it's uh it's good, you know, getting to do that stuff. It has given me the opportunity to where, you know, what I've been saying for like the last couple of years is I don't want to do this as a career. I don't want to be obligated to make knives I don't want to make because I never get the chance to make the stuff that I want. And certain people would come around, like Andy was one of them. He would always say, well, just make what you want to in addition, like just make one extra knife. And what I could never impress on these people was the knife that I want to make will consume all of my time for yeah. like a month. Like, cause I'm going to like perfect this thing to an unreal level. Hey, can I get my, uh, reverse Tanto, uh, Karambit knife now? <laughs> a car- a Karambit. <laughs> uh, that's like, that's like, how do you want to commit suicide today? <laughs> oh, Karambit's a good choice. Let's just. <laughs> Like, what was that chick that was on Naked and Afraid that just opened herself up, like, on Instagram? Like, she was making an Instagram reel or something and flipping the karambit around, oh. and it cut her wrist wide open, and she, like, bled out. <laughs> She's like, I'm okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this, was sure. this is why you don't play with knives, people. Andy tried to cut my dick off at least three or four times. You were there for a couple of them. Yeah, I well, you and I both had to have the, you can throw a knife, but if you hit me, this is the consequences conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that was, you remember that day? We were we were both there, and all of a sudden that knife, it was a, uh, it was like a camp knife or something, came sailing through the, the hole that was in the door. Yep. And both of us looked at each other, and you were like, I'm not putting up with mm. And meanwhile, Dan is like, you know uh well i won't i won't get into it too much but he was in kind of a spot where he was trying to make things happen where like his name was getting put on the building and stuff and so he was trying to like you know maintain this status quo but at the same time he had to let andy know if you're gonna have a a a hissy fit and you throw a knife and it hits me i'm gonna beat you to death (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was it, Dan was walking on eggshells. He's like, I'm I'm gonna kill this dude, but I have to do it in such a nice way. And he walked back there and he's like, Listen, <laughs> it was great. I want to continue to be your business partner, but <laughs> yeah, but if you throw a knife and any part of it touches me, I'm gonna rip your balls off. <laughs> oh man. Some things I don't miss about that shop. Yeah. I remember one time he threw a chair on the floor so hard that it bounced up and hit the fluorescent lights and broke the fluorescent lights that were hanging over the workbenches. And what? somebody, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, Andy did this. Dude, he would go he would go into this this fit of rage that gave him Hulkalean strength. Yeah. It was incredible. Like if he had ever gotten that way during a fight, he might have actually been a handful. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen him fight anybody. But if, I mean, if he could just tap into that rage, like he'd probably be pretty decent on the map. But uh, yeah, he, he grabbed this, this, 
this computer chair that was in front of one of the benches and he throws it so hard against the ground. It bounced. Those lights, how high were those lights? They were like at least eight feet. Oh yeah. No, it was, he had like a 10 foot base. It was back in the basement, right? Yeah, it was, it was, well, it was like that, that mess. No, no. I'm talking about when we were in the big shop. Oh, where, um, the one that was by the chicken plants. Um, under it the was, mezzanine it was, was like yeah. eight feet outside of it. That was like 12, 14 feet. Okay, so it had to be like 12, 14 feet because it was the one that was out there in the main bay. Oh, he he threw that chair and it hit the floor and bounced all the way up and hit those lights and knocked them and broke them. And somebody was there at the shop and they started running over to clean it up. And I said, stop. (laughs) And they were like, what? And I said, do not clean it. And they were like, what? You know, Andy broke that. I was like, look. Andy broke those. You didn't break those. He broke those out of anger, and it's going to cost a load of money. He needs to pay for it, and he needs to put those lights back up. This was something he did. And the guy was like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm telling you, my name is on the front door. You do not pick it up. Make Andy do it. He needs to stop having these fits. He ended up calming down. <laughs> but, man, there was a while there where you did, nothing was safe. Doors got smashed. He threw a trash can through the front door one time, which was glass and tinted. And we were getting ready to have a big gathering. It was like a Georgia Custom Knife Makers Guild meeting at the shop that weekend. And he throws a trash can through the window out into the parking lot and smashes the door. So people show up for this guild meeting we're going to have. And we have the front door boarded up like we're in a crack town. And we've had a drive-by shooting outside or something. And I was like, dude, this is your fault. Andy's you te- got to stop having these fits. <laughs> Andy's temper is like a lightning strike. It is incandescent hot. <laughs> six seconds later, he's like, hey, dude, you want to go get something to eat? He's so <laughs> nice. He gets it out, and then he's like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> and luckily, he has toned it. Like, well, this is from what I've heard. Yeah. You know, when I was around him for like those last couple of years, he really toned down. Um mainly through a lot of talks that like he and I and other people had, because, you know, he had like business partners at that point. Um, I think that he kind of figured out like just to like maintain status quo with people, he had to calm down and he got a lot, you know, he got a lot better hold of it. But uh, (laughs) man, those early days when he just used to just let it fly, I would have to tell people like people would come in that were new and I'd have to be like, listen, you have to understand that when Andy, like Andy is going to be Andy. If you like him, you have to like all of this. It was like, I was explaining to a person like, you're still going to get married. She's still a good girl. Yes. She has an insane temper, but listen, you have to love all of her. You know, I was, I was really lucky. I was kind of pre-prepared. I had in high school, I had worked for a Cajun as a, that was a remodeler. So like, I, I already knew the outlines um, so when I went to work with Andy, I'm like, oh yeah, lightning hot temper. It'll be over in a second. Yeah, sure. Let's go get lunch now. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll say it on recording right now. And I hope Andy hears this. I don't know. He's really Cajun. Ooh, <laughs> I think he might've been making it, making the whole thing up. I don't think he has any French ancestry at all. Nothing. Uh-oh. I think he's not Cajun. I don't think, I, I think he was like born in some place and went to Louisiana for a while. And he was like, I like this culture. Oh, so you're saying, I'm going to use you, this mic. You're saying maybe he's from upstate. 
He's up like, nah, I'm, like Metairie. I'm totally full of shit. I'm hoping that he sees this and his blood starts boiling and he's like, I can't believe he's saying this. I'm Cajun as hell. You don't know how to eat. I'm coon ass, damn it. He probably won't even make it to this point in the recording. He will have heard that first five seconds. He's going to be like, I'm calling Dylan right now. I can't believe he said that. The only thing I've got, I am really comfortable. He probably is throwing a chair through an incandescent light right now. I'm comfortable because your house is on the way to my house. <laughs> Hopefully see something on the news. Yeah. In local news, a crazy dude with a mohawk shot somebody 87 times in his driveway who was throwing plastic computer chairs around. Claiming to be Cajun. Yeah. Now, we ran a background check, and the test said, that is a lie. DNA says you're English. Oh, man. What if he turned out to be, like, Somali or something? Like, he yeah. finds out that, like, his dad, Ubagababa was like some Somalian pirate who made his way to the United States and settled in Florida. Well, he is pretty skinny. He is skinny. Ooh, we might be getting into dangerous territory there. So what else do you guys have outlined for this show? <laughs> uh, so so you, uh, you you started uh, re, re-updating your website, right? Yeah, yeah, I redid the website, which is funny. Because how is were, how is that getting back into the try to keep all that updated? Um, well, I never really tried to keep it updated before. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever saw it before this last update I did, I think the last time I even messed with it was like 2012, oh, hey, something like that. Do you still do you still have knife forums? Um, on like blade forums I mean, blade or something? Forums, yeah, there is still a Fletcher Knives Blade Forum mm-hmm. section. What's funny is, is I don't have any kind of like badge or anything. Like I couldn't even post a knife for sale there if I wanted to, but I still have a forum there. I I logged on a couple of months ago and there was like this whole list of, I'm like, oh, sorry guys. I had no idea y'all were posting and I don't know who most of y'all are. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is I logged in there just the other day because someone hit me up in an email and they said, um, will you do a uh, spa service? And I said, well, I've never offered a spa service. I've always said scratches are a part of using your knives. Like I I don't do spa service. It would cost you more than just buying a new knife. And um, I explained it in much greater detail and much nicer. I wasn't just like, no, but basically that's what I said. And he said, well, there's a thing on your, he said, well, it says on your website that you would do it. And I was like, what? And I logged onto my website knowing that this isn't true. And I was like, somehow I missed something 10 years ago. The last time I edited this website, it was literally been 10 years since I've edited the thing. And uh, it's hard to say edited with this level of alcohol. And uh, <laughs> as I only at the bottom dip, of the gra- glass, that's the proper pronunciation. I really did just kill a whole bottle of Southern Comfort. That was kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> that's why. I get the big bottles. Yeah, see, Dan started out slurring. I'm just now getting there. <laughs> he, up, what son. was that word you said? You were like nuclear or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, so the dude was like, yeah, you, you know, you say that you did it on your website. And I was like, nah. I'm and a so liar. You can't trust me. Well, I, I don't ever want to say like, you know, I know that you're full of crap. And so what I said to the guy was, could you please send me a link or something to the page mm-hmm. where you saw that? Because 
I, I need to check it. And it might be that, you know, there's something wrong on my website. And if there's some sort of incorrect information, I want to know and I want to fix it, which basically means like you're a liar proof. Yeah. Picture it didn't happen. And uh, so the guy said, oh, no, what I saw it on was Blade Forums. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. And then I thought, well, that's not true. I don't even I mean, there's nothing on Blade Forums. I never did gay porn. About I mean, me. you couldn't have I might that. be in the archive somewhere. Like in the good and the bad and the ugly section, somebody being like, "This woman Fletcher's <laughs> a dick." Um, Truth. So I logged on to Blade Forums, and sure enough, there's a Fletcher Knives forum in the Knife Makers area, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> I logged in there, and there's like two years of people posting stuff that I've just never seen. I had like uh, 180 private messages of people trying to do stuff. Uh, that was a long night. I had to send everybody messages back, being like, "Hey." Sorry, I didn't get to you, but I just decided to totally step away from the business and say, you know what? Screw everybody. Reply, <laughs> reply all. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> reply all. Sorry, I missed it. I'm not making your knife. But yeah, so I was amazed to see that that uh, I still had a forum on Blade Forums. And then I posted something for sale and it sold. It was pretty fun. That's kind of cool. It was one of Andy's knives. It sold a fiddleback. <laughs> uh good times so are you still working out of the the trailer thing that you built or yeah. are you yeah same thing formal motorcycle if you keep trailer. up with my instagram at fletcher knives on instagram by the way in case anybody yeah. didn't know um if you keep up with my instagram that's where that post was that was uh just the other day was me actually i was actually cracking the seal on that door who here's the two main things no i'm sorry three main things that i discovered a the last time I worked in that shop, I didn't clean it. Mm. <laughs> uh, B, those spiders that came over from like Japan or whatever, there were those things we had such a big problem with last year. Oh, the murder Evidently horns. wanted to all be knife makers because uh, they all moved into my shop and set up space. And uh, three. Are you, are you scared of spiders? No, I don't care. Okay. Spiders don't bother me. And the third thing was that evidently uh, a branch had fallen through the skylight on my trailer years ago, and I didn't know. And it has <laughs> been pouring water every time we had a storm into my quote-unquote knife shop. Luckily, I keep a dehumidifier in there running 24 hours a day, and so it, it kept anything from rusting. But I had like a big stain on the floor. Huh. Yeah, so I have to replace that man, that linoleum you know, so it, that it looks like hardwood floors again. It's not really O one one if it doesn't have the rusted thumbprint on it. <laughs> yeah, right. People be like, how can you tell it's, it's carbon steel instead of CPM or something like that? I was like, dude, I can tell you exactly what kind of carbon steel it is right now. Let, look at this. Look at this. Here's a thumbprint. Yeah, that's O one. one See how it rusted instantly? <laughs> that's O one If it was 1075, it would have taken 20 seconds. O one instant. <laughs> Yes. My first blade show working for Andy, my sole job was to stand at one end of the booth with an oil rag. And clean and oil everything. Yeah, and you remember the oil that I handed you? There's a very specific type of oil that I have used all of these years. I still use the same one. There is no SoCo left in this bottle. Oh, damn. A moment of silence. There's a very specific kind. Yeah. I, it is uh, the Hanway Sword Oil. Yep. Yeah. That stuff is the bomb you know I, I actually have some right here somewhere i don't know where it is i have some though you know i've i've shifted to white mineral oil oh uh, here we go yep here we go making mistakes no 
Which one of us has been making knives for the last five years? Well, listen, if we're going to look at the cumulative amount of time of making good knives. <laughs> no, I think you might have me beat. I think you've been making knives a lot longer than me. You guys want to see something cool? This is something yeah. I just got back. Kyle, he's trying to make you look at his penis. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> I just did the circle game for everybody listening. Um <laughs> So the guy that I sold this to, which will remain un, uh, nameless, unnamed, just recently I was having a conversation with him and he said, you know that knife I got from you way back in the day that was that gigantic one that you said was like one of the coolest ones you ever made? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you want it? Ooh. And I said, dude, you bought that knife. Like, that's your knife. And he said, yeah, but I keep it locked up all the time. I don't ever use it for anything other than taking it out and showing it off like once a year. And I really feel like you would be able to like show it pictures or videos or have fun with it and do whatever you want. Knife throwing video. And I was like, dude, this thing might end up in a knife throwing video. <laughs> and I said, well, listen, you know, I would feel really guilty taking that thing back, especially considering you spent like over three G's on that thing. You know, it was a big deal when you bought it. You really loved it. All that being said, uh, I would not say no. And so he gave it back to me. So I got this. Is that the one that was like a half an inch thick? Yes. This is the half inch thick, the largest knife that I made. That, uh, that, was, the one you, that was the one you said that uh, he wanted to like kill a pig or something. No, that one was smaller than this. That was the yeah. guy who wanted it to fight bear. Oh, that, bear. I, I actually made the knife for the guy who wanted to fight bear with it at the same time as this one. And when I made this one, I made that knife for him, and I thought, this is like the biggest, most crazy knife I've ever made. I'm going to make one just slightly cooler, <laughs> and I'm going to keep it for myself. And then I ended up selling it. But <laughs> this is the one that was the slightly bigger, slightly cooler version of that bear-killing knife. So I got it back. Nice. Just like a few weeks ago, I got it back. So I'm going to take it out and like bash some stuff to hell with it. See, I've gone, I don't know what yet. I've gone the other direction. I've started reaching out to like those... There's early Andy Day clients. I'm like, look. <laughs> and you're like, can I please buy that back? Because I don't want it out there. Yeah, the I'm world. like, look, you've got one of the fuggliest knives I've ever made. I'm going to give <laughs> you a hundred bucks and a brand new, much better knife. <laughs> oh, man, I've seen some of those like really early knives that I made. And I tried to tell everybody, everybody who started making knives that I could have like any kind of influence over it all. I would always say wait until you're really ready to be selling these knives because there's going to be stuff that gets put out there into the world and you might not be able to get it back, but it's going to exist and people are going to see it and they're going to be like, this is, you know, a Fletcher knife or this is a daily knife or something. And someone's going to see it and be like, wow, that's a piece of shit. I would never buy one of those. And you just, you can't get some of those back. And I'd be like, so make sure you know what you're doing before you put them out there. And I saw some of those early ones, and I was like, holy crap, how do those cut? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I remember the time that uh, this is before I was like the sharpening guru. It was my very first customer. Literally, the first guy that ever bought a knife from me was a guy named Michael Wiesner. And a super nice guy, very quiet. And he bought the very first Hatchula. That was the first knife I ever sold. Yep. He actually sold, showed up to buy one of Andy's knives, and he looked at Andy's stuff, and then I had just finished the first Hatchula, and Michael said, 
What about that one? Is that one for sale? He was very soft-spoken. This sounds exactly like him. And he, <laughs> he said, uh, is that knife for sale? And I said, well, it doesn't have an edge on it. If you come back in like an hour, it'll be sharp. And he was like, okay, I'll be back in an hour. How much is it? Like he was basically telling me without even knowing the price, he was going to buy it. And I said, and I was put on the spot. I had no idea what to charge. And I just blurted out uh, 200 bucks. And he said, okay, I'll be back in an hour with $200. And he left. And I had been working in the motorcycle business for years. And so I turned to Annie and I said, I said, he's not coming back. Like, if you don't get the money before they walk yeah. out the door, you're not getting the money. Because I was used to that, that like kind of sales. And uh, an hour later, this goofy dude shows back up and he's like, is the knife ready? And I was like, yeah. And I sold him the knife. And Andy was uh, very proud, but very pissed. Because Michael <laughs> had come there that day to buy one of Andy's knives. And he spent his $200 on the first Fletcher knife that ever got sold. <laughs> Man. And the, the only bad thing that came out of that is that Michael posted publicly you need to get Andy to teach you how to put an edge on a knife. And I was like, Ooh, oh. like, I, I was like, like that was definitely like the biggest insult I could have possibly heard in my life at that point. This gauntlet, this one right here. <laughs> oh man. It, dude, seriously. And luckily it happened then. Luckily it was like the very first knife. Cause I went home and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to develop the sharpening method. Like even if it takes longer or whatever, it's going to be the one that like sets the bar. And I sat down and I, I went through all these different sharpening methods, trying to find the one that made it like the absolute best that it could be. And I came up with some stuff that at the time was the best. That you, and from then on my knives, it, it was an on running joke. Every time somebody bought a knife, I would get an email like a week later with a picture in it of how they opened themselves up with it. And they were like, yeah, your knives are sharp. <laughs> no, I, I still use your, Razor burr switch side technique that you taught me way back when, dude. That's I've never found anything better than that. And I was actually looking for my sharpening stuff uh, just a couple of days ago and found it all in the garage. <laughs> and uh, I ended up sharpening like forty knives that night because it's been like a couple of years where I've just been using something until it's dull and then just setting it back in the knife case. And like. And uh, dude, that I thing always, before I always try to put them back in the knife safe or the gun safe uh, sharp. I try not to put them away. You're a dull. better person than me, Kyle. <laughs> what do you want me to say? You're a better guy. Well, he's just got the God. Yeah, I'm working with shit from China here, Kyle. We can't all just keep it sharp all the time. Before I came in the shop, I used to use the, the technique. You know, one pass left, one pass right, keep working up. But the work one side till you get a burr, work the other side is, is a way, way better system. It just makes it easier to gauge when you're there. Yeah. Like, that's the thing I've tried to tell people. I'm like, dude, if you use this system and you just raise it until you get a burr, you know you got all the way there. Yeah, you don't, like, wind you don't up have to wonder edge. if they're meeting yet. Yeah. And, the and that China knife thing, that's real. Dude, I've been using knives from China for so long since I haven't been making knives because I don't have to keep up appearances. I don't have to be like, I got a fucking <laughs> fancy custom knife and this is like super steel. Dude, I'm carrying crap. I'm carrying like stuff for it's like Rough Riders and stuff. People are like, can I use your knife? I'm like, check this shit out. It cost me ten ninety five. I just got it at the gas station. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I still buy good stuff. <laughs> Rough Rider actually has some good knives. All the ones that I have from them have carbon steel blades, which is kind of a rare thing. Two, two of my frequent carries are little Rough Riders. Yeah, I love Rough Rider. Every single one of those that I've bought for the past seven years, I've bought two of them. I bought one for me, one for my son. And one day he's going to get all those and we're going to be able to be like, what knife do you want to carry today? And we'll carry matching knives. Wait. And, ooh, man, that sounded so sweet. I think I just vomited a little. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Your son's seven? But either, yeah, he's seven, man. He's I getting up there. Time, uh, I think it's time for him to get a scaled-down Marauder. You know, that's actually not a bad idea. Because that's that, that first knife that I... Dude, I could go get it right now, and I could show it to you. It's literally within arm's length right now. That Marauder is still, still... Kyle, do you know about this Marauder? I don't think so. No, they, okay, they, let me ask you this, and I'm not saying this is an insult. I'm not saying this is anything that's in any way a gauge of your knives. Have I ever purchased one of your knives or said, will you please give me that? No. no. Other than that Okay. Knife. With Dan, this is one of Dan's first knives, and he managed to touch on something in my heart, deep in the Dennis Leary cockles of my heart with the design of this knife that was the Marauder. He literally took out, I don't know, was it the first one that you made that had a scanty grind? Yeah, and it was like the first, I've made a knife. Like, this thing is a knife. And we Yeah, were, he whips this knife out. We were at the and hammer end. And I in. saw it. Yeah, we were at the hammer end at Track Rock. Dan whips this knife out, and he goes, check this out. And usually when somebody whips out one of their first knives, you know, I have to put on the persona and be like, oh, that's really cool. Bless your heart. And then I have to be like, yeah, then I have to be like, okay, do you want my criticisms, which will help you be a better knife maker? Or do you want me to shut up and we'll just leave it with this is cool. When Dan handed me that knife, I looked at it and I thought, this thing is effing sick. It was like, like I had a big heart on for like AK bayonet shaped knives. It was something about that and it blade was that shape, total deep swallowtail. Oh man, it looks so good! It's <laughs> such a good knife, and uh, and I I told Dan right there on the spot. I was like, I I really want this knife. Like I I need this knife. I was like, Is this your test knife? Is this the knife that you're going to test with and see if I say that you can become a knife maker? Because I get to keep it if that's the case. Is this it? And I was all geeked out. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> Dylan wants one of my knives. Why, dude? I fell in love with that thing, it, sir. So cool, such a cool knife. So Dan ended up giving me that knife. He actually, you had it back for a while. I think that you redid the grind, redid the finish. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I think that was it. I unapprenticed it. Yeah, he unapprenticed it, and then and it took a while, and then he gave it back. And still to this day, that is one of the coolest knives that I own. Not to to S Dan's D, no, because no. uh, he doesn't need any bigger of a head than he already has. But that knife nailed it. There was something about it. I was like, this thing is so cool. And, and dude, to this day, there are several times, several times a year that that thing is the one where I'm like, all right, I'm heading out into the woods. I want to take a knife that I really want to have fun with, and that's the one that I grab. That thing is awesome. And that was one of those pinnacle moments of a knowledgeable, skilled knife maker wanted something I made. And then I had him that night giving me the Marauder. 
<laughs> I don't know who this nice. other knowledgeable person is he's talking about. <laughs> that might have been somebody at the at the meeting. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, I do no, that, that thing was super and strong liquor. But it's it's a very rare occasion that I'm so overwhelmed with a design or just the way it was executed or something where I'm like very much like I have to have this. It's kind of common knowledge in the knife industry that I have never purchased a knife. Like I've literally never bought a custom knife from anybody. Uh, there's one, one exception to that was Bill Snow. Bill Snow sold me one of his knives. Uh, it was a Bowie knife that he had and he really only sold it to me because he wanted me to have it. And he's one of those guys where you had to exchange something like it, it's, it's, you know, it's like the, uh, I'll give you this, but you have to give me a dollar because there has to be something. It's the old tradition of if you give someone a gift of a knife, it will cut your friendship. So it's always, yeah, give me a penny, give me a rock, give me, it's got to be a trade. Yeah. So I don't remember how much I gave Bill Snow for that knife, but that's literally the only custom knife I've ever purchased in my whole life. So Kyle, let me see what you've been making lately. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything. Oh, I really like that. I really like oh. that. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I made this one. The well, little pocket bushcrafter guy. I actually have been looking at all your knives, dude. They're, they've been super clean from the beginning, but they're, some, man, they're some cool uh, Celtic firework. Oh, look at me. Yeah, I do file work. Look at this. And then, uh, uh, Dan, watch out. Dogwood <laughs> damn it. Coming through. Uh, hey. JR JRE is making me some of these uh, pocket sheets now, so that's pretty cool. Um, okay, I, before I say this, let me say I love JRE. Yep. yep. I don't understand those sheets. Sell Why? it to me, Kyle. So, uh, uh, being an engineer, I couldn't carry a what am I? Oh, here we blades. go. Hold on, I got to change my joke. How do you know if somebody's a vegan, <laughs> a machinist, or an engineer? <laughs> so, with my, uh, I think you dropped this. <laughs> in my engineering job uh i couldn't wear a belt sheath so i had to come up with some way to carry it not now for people open. not in the know why can you not carry a belt sheath in an engineering job i imagine it was because you would get sucked through something uh because we had lots of like chief engineers and directors and everything coming through the lab and everything and that wouldn't uh they're worse than look- osha yeah, wouldn't look very good. So I kind of developed this uh, back pocket sheath. So it goes in your back pocket. And you can put a Leatherman or a sharpening steel or whatever, whatever else you want to throw little... your entire spot. Or another off. knife. It actually, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. I guess you could put another knife in there. But uh, another cage daily. Woot woot. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> uh, you need your cut knife and your sticking knife. We're ruining yeah. his sales pitch. Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you JRE's can... like, shut up and let him talk. Spins <laughs> over uh, there, like, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's not getting his next shipment of sheaths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit, I just but, put in my blade to a hooter. But yeah, so the it's like it's basically just like a wallet. Uh, it fits back in there, and you could grab it, pull it out, use it. Put it right back in. All right, listen, I I don't want to say that you don't know what you're talking about, but that's nothing like a wallet. It's not a wallet. Yeah, that doesn't have credit cards in it, Kyle. I mean, you could put it 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 in your pocket like a wallet. You know what it's like? It's like a knife sheath with an extra pouch that fits in your back pocket, Kyle. Yeah. 
If, if it was, you know what? You if, it was, put, if it was, you could put bills. No, nah, that's a, that's if actually narrower, really cool. Want, that's really cool. If it was narrower, it'd want to like fall off to the side or whatever. So being wide, it's more like a paddle, so it doesn't doesn't want to fall and twist. See, I'm and starting stuff some shit, but I have to set the record straight just so that Jerry knows that I'm just joking. I actually do make leather sheaths that are meant to go in your pocket, and they don't have all that extra stuff to make them sit up straight. So JRE is better. <laughs> take 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 the Kyle, take the the sheath that Kyle just just showed. Kyle, take the compliment. I've known him like fifteen years. <laughs> and that's the second one I've ever heard. That's a better design than mine. <laughs> oh nope! First oh, yeah. time I've ever put, heard him put say that. that. Little, <laughs> put that little uh, three it's inch on pocket a sheath. Push Let that be recorded. It's on a sheath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Spin came up with an idea of putting another little hole right here so you could also put paracord through the top and wear it like as a chest rig if you wanted to. Now, uh, here's, he a, here's, here's a good question. Eyelets. So you guys got your podcast here. I would imagine it's got a pretty good people, you know, a pretty good amount of people listening and stuff. You know, you got well, sponsors and everything. There, maybe, like maybe not now. But... And... <laughs> yeah, you know, you, like Dan's wife listens to it. My wife's probably going to hear it, you know. Uh, yeah, you guys awesome. got a big enough following. You probably have a little bit of pull in the industry. Can you send me one of those Jerry sheets for free? We'll see. Can you mail me one? We'll see. I, I gave him a freaking knife when <laughs> you can't come off with a sheath. You cheap. Kyle <laughs> knows what he's got. He's like, he's like, oh, this isn't like a little grub bag marauder. We got a nice leather sheet here. <laughs> Kyle's a businessman. Turns out I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I'm a guy that makes knives. Kyle is a knife maker. No, nah, Kyle knows what he's doing. He's got me in his pocket. So, yeah. Until I, like I make him one. a high plains drifter, I'm Kyle's slave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more no more free product until services are rendered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get to servicing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time to service. Man, this show's but, taking a weird turn since the alcohol kicked in. Yeah. Oh. I started out pretty subdued during this thing. You now did. I was getting open a little up. worried. We're going to get crazy now. Let's get naked. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see yeah. this but us. They're like, are they really getting naked right oh, now? Oh, in that case, I gotta we really are. I got to fill real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the first places I worked at was a t-shirt shop. And uh, Wait, Tony again? had a t-shirt shop. Okay. We make t-shirts. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, is that what yeah. you did? You didn't do like yeah. vinyl car wraps? <laughs> the t-shirt shop. But uh Tony Tony had uh had me and Matt and make and a wraps and welding. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, we're done now. So, <laughs> Tony had oh, uh, Tony. me make up a... Oh, come on, Dan. Let it let the man okay. get his story I'm out. Done now. <laughs> Are you all right, Kyle. Do what I was All right Kyle, go. <laughs> Red light, green light, go. So uh, Tony had me make up a whole bunch of these shirts for employee use, and uh, it said Tony London Company, home of life nude screen printing. I'm sorry, and, what? Uh, what was what was the second part? Home of live nude okay. screen printing, and uh, so we had those on, and everybody would like ask us when we would wear them out in public, and 
uh yeah like yeah you don't want to see the the people that are actually working there yeah so. we're doing an awful lot of nude screen printing over here <laughs> so we yeah. want to make sure nobody's stealing the product they're not tucking <laughs> it anywhere and getting out of the building so when it's yeah. august in south carolina and you get your kiln cranked up to like 2100 degrees and you're grinding blades it gets a little warm so maybe you find the need that you need to be in boxers, a leather apron, boots, and a respirator. Yeah, and I don't think I could okay, do that. Okay, now can you explain away like the 47 used tissues and lotion all over the place yeah, You know, on the ceiling? <laughs> but you want to talk about the most uncomfortable cold call, like when the, the little Spectrum rep shows up to tell you how they can save you $7 on your internet? And you have to say, hold on, let me dry myself off and put my pants back on. <laughs> and you walk out of the grind room and rip off your full plate face respirator and you're wearing a leather apron and boxers. <laughs> how did you even know he was there? Uh, I've got a chime. But what, how could you hear it over the grinder? It, it is specifically in the grind room so I can hear. Oh. If I'm in the rest of the shop, I know when somebody comes Kyle's in. Kyle's trying to find chinks in your story. He's like, dance full of shit. This never happened. <laughs> All right, fine. I wasn't wearing boxes. I was trying to clean it up. <laughs> this is great. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. What else do you guys have for your show? Do you have anything yeah. else outlined? Or have yeah. we had hit the oh. point? Yeah. Oh, now you got me saying the F word. This is just so bad. Yeah, now. it was <laughs> totally not the liquor. Oh my goodness! Um, oh. I mean, we can what talk we got, about Dan? inspiration. We can talk about the industry, or um... man, the industry has. Wait, are you that toy? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. It, pretty much since you <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like a few years before I left. Like that was one of the main reasons why I dipped out. And, you know, and it, it's funny that stuff could have been going on the whole time. It was. You know, I ha I have no idea. You know, uh, you know, he, like talking to people like Ethan Becker and you hear how he's got to buy his own name back. Surely there's some going on in the industry. People are having their little infights and stuff and it, you know, ends up being a thing. But I guess either I was just either it wasn't as prevalent or I was naive to it or something. It's um, but it's man, it really it's it felt like it really ramped up. And it was it was in my front yard when I was getting ready to quit. And that was one of the big things where I was like, wow, there's a lot going on and I don't want to be involved in it. I think it is comparable to you and I have talked about our martial arts experience and like you start out and it's this really pure, beautiful thing. And then you find out it's like, let's break some boards and sell some, yeah. <laughs> some contracts. And you start, <laughs> you start moving up and you start seeing what's behind it. And it, it loses its shine and it starts to yeah. get ugly and you just get done with it. And it was it was always there. You just didn't see it. Like the one of the big things for me that really kind of turned me off was uh, I won't say specific names, but I'll say it enough where at least you, Dan, I know that you'll know what I'm talking about. Kyle, you may or you may not. Um, and people who know what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is going to be. There was two specific people. And both of them did the exact same thing. They had a tendency to read something and instantly react publicly on the internet. Mm. And when that started happening, like, and these people were friends, like they were friends. This one di dude, he, 
he would come by all the time and visit with this this knife maker guy. They were homeboys. They knew each other real well. And then one day, one of them thought that the other one did something that pissed him off and instantly reacted on the Internet. And it was a big blow up. And then next thing you know, there's a war going on between these two companies. And I was even there like I was sitting right there and I was like, both of you guys are totally wrong about this. This whole thing started with a misunderstanding. And for a second, it seemed like everything that was okay. And then all of a sudden, one of them said, well, well, I heard that so-and-so said this. And so Mm. you, if I see you at Blade Show, I'm, you know, we're going to fight like stuff like this. And I was like, this is insanity to me. I can't believe that people are, are doing this. This is little kid stuff. And, you know, we're supposed to be in the grown-up world. And this is just nuts. And then I started noticing it all over the place. Like, I started seeing, and a lot of times it would be because of, like, fanboy groups who were real big on, like, one product. And then they would be, like, you know, saying another product sucked just because it wasn't their fanboy thing. And then you'd have the other fanboy club get involved. And I was like, man, I don't want to be a part of that at all. I would just rather be on the outside and every once in a while make something that people were like, wow, that's cool as shit. I'd buy that and then sell it. You know, I, I, I don't want to be like, I don't, I don't like the whole fanboy thing. I, it's not that I think that. Um, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm saying fanboy is kind of like a derogatory thing. I know that there are a lot of people that are fans of knife companies, especially like custom one guy shops. That um, like, you know, the guy who like, uh, what is that? Dark Timber. Yeah. You know, the Dark Timber group, like they're real loyal. They love Dark Timber knives. That dude's cool. And, <laughs> and you know, they, they're willing to stand in line at the, the first hour of Blade Show to try to fight each other over what they get. <laughs> Dan? Are His you dog okay, would Dan? damn it breaking stuff. He just fell face first into something. No, I was, was going to go take a piss while you were telling that long ass story. Oh, here we go. Did it's you my just fault. break your vodka bottle? It's my fault that he broke his vodka. Yeah, I did, man. It's it's pretty disturbing. There's a dead goose all over the floor right now. <laughs> um, but I still got to go tell the piss. So, all right, right go ahead and tell, tell the piss, whatever that heck that means. There. Go ahead. <laughs> so, anyways. Like you get, you get knife companies, like the fan groups that are like that, like, dude, I get what you're doing, but it's when they start talking shit about other companies and when they start being like, well, my guy's the best. And it's like, well, you don't even know anything about these other dudes, but you're talking about them. And I just think that that's kind of silly. The bussy guys, a lot of them are like that, you know, and I'm dropping some names like the bussy dudes, even some of the Fiddleback Forge dudes, some of the Fletcher Knives guys were like that, where they were like, Oh, Fletcher knives is the best because of this. And I'm like, dude, you got to keep in mind, like, there's a reason why I don't make kitchen knives. It's because I think that there's other people that do that better. There's a reason why I don't make folders. It's because I think that there's other people that do that better. Like, I don't want you going out there and telling other people my knives are the best above all else because, and I don't even feel that way. Like, don't be fanboys and just drink the Kool-Aid and be like that. Because that's not good for anybody. Like you're just starting fights for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And don't ever be next to the bussy booth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You will get hit in the head if you are next to the bussy booth. People will knock you out to catch that that garter belt of bussy goodness. They have a bit of Blade Show the last few years. 
Really? I, yeah. I, I did not know that. So um, Blade Show started doing that if you were going to do like your giveaway raffles, you had to do them off the floor. Why? Um, because. Because of the busy group? Because the people that had tables near there couldn't do any business because of all the fanboys. You know, okay, I will say this, and this is like a little dig at Bussy and a little bragging on my part. There was one year when the Bussy booth was at the end of the row that me and Andy were on. And when me and Andy, we found out when the Bussy guys were doing their thing, and we actually uh, put out like posts on Blade Forums and stuff like that, that we were going to do our giveaways at the exact same time as the Bussy group. And we had loads of people wrapped around around our uh, our tables, and the bussy guys were complaining because we were taking up too much space. That's that's beautiful. And I was like, "That's awesome! That Suck it!" <laughs> Meanwhile, I love bussy knives, and I've owned like eight of them. I love the they're knives. Cool. I have to regrind the living kaboom get out of them when I get them because their edges suck balls. I don't care if uh, what's his name <laughs> Bussy is listening to this right now, dude. Your edge, your uh, edge uh, suck dicks. Yeah, your edge geometry is totally off. Your knives are too fine. I don't care what you say. Uh, but they are cool knives. And their Infi steel is legendary. Like, uh, I can't hate on that. I like- it might be a normal steel that they just have a really cool proprietary heat treat for, but it is really cool steel. I, I liked that I could get it now and double my money in 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I could get I could get a bussy knife and I could flip it. 10 minutes later for double what I paid for it if I got a good price. But the poor which bastards, is what I did with all of the bussies that I own. The poor bastards that had booths next to them didn't sell shit all of Blade Show. No, not at all. Cuz it would be a huge there was, it'd be a huge crowd in front of your booth not at all interested in buying your You know, there's there's one cool thing uh that I can say and it's not a dig at bussy, it's just these people were making decisions based on what they had at the time. Every bussy knife that I ever owned was a trade that somebody gave me as a partial trade for a Fletcher knife. Cause they wanted the Fletcher knife and they had the bussy plus some cash. And so that's how I got all the bussies that I owned. And I would actually modify all of them before I resold them. There you go. Yeah. You know, that's how Bon Tang got to start. Do you know who Bon Tang is? Yeah. Bon. By the way, for anybody not listening, or not listening, that's stupid. You're listening. Everybody that can anyone, hear me, raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Bon Tang is a super amazing knife maker. He makes some of the coolest shit in the world. Uh, I pined for a Bon Tang knife for years, and uh, I've got one, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. I'll never, ever get rid of it. Bon started out by modifying bussy knives. A lot of people don't know that he would actually get knives that were bussy knives and modify them, uh, putting different grinds, uh, different edge grinds and stuff like that on them and then resell them. And the ones that bond did were worth more than the bussies originally were worth. And so if I'm not mistaken, Jerry Bussy actually started sending bond knives to customize and bond was doing that. And people were buying the knives that he customized for way more than Bussy Knives would ever sell for. And then finally, Bond started his own company, which is Bond Tang Knives. And huh. they are by far the sharpest shit you could possibly buy. Because if you can turn a pry bar into a razor... Mm, magic is what that is. 
That's, that's straight up Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we going with the rest of this podcast, Dan? <laughs> uh, man, we left I would have probably had to edit like quite a bit of this stuff. minutes ago. <laughs> um, hey, coming back into the industry with like a fresh perspective, new eyes, bright, young, apple cheek. A fresh knife perspective. Yeah. Oh, dropping the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see you go? Where do you see you going as Fletcher Knives, and where do you see the industry going? Okay, well, I'll start off. I'll start off with the industry. I think that the industry is going to keep on changing, just like it always has. One of the hardest things to do in the industry is to innovate. A lot of people say, like, "Oh, we have innovative designs and stuff." That's actually very rare. Most of the knife designs that have been made, and I might have actually mentioned this in the last podcast. Because I say it all the time, a lot of the knife designs that come out are knives that have been around, like you know Dan with the Kephart, like that's a, that's a knife design that was a knife design. You made it better, yeah, but it existed. It's very hard since people have started sharpening stones in the Stone Age yeah. to come up with something that hasn't been done. There's very few people that have done it. Uh, Brent Bashera is one of them. You know, he came up with the Besh Wedge, which is. One of the things I point out to all kinds of people being like, this is a true innovation that changed the industry. And it was the first one in hundreds of years. Yeah. And that's a huge deal. So I see, I see the knife industry keeping going. We might see some cool innovations now that um, we're getting access to more materials than we've ever had, which is always the case, but now there's just so much more materials now. Um, And I think that we're going to see, especially in the last couple of years, because you've had shows like Forged and Fire, uh, the other show where it's the Forged and Fire people, but they compete and they have like the cutting challenges, the one with Bill Goldberg. Yeah, that was... Uh, you, uh, what was that called? It was like... Uh, knife or Death. Knife or Death. Does, do, they still, do they still run that show? No. That was a cool show. I like Bill Goldberg. Anyways, was with shows like that... Steve, Steve Goldberg? No, it's Bill Goldberg. What are you talking about, Steve Goldberg, Kyle? Yeah. Are you trying to right. say Steve Austin? No, no, no. It's he's Bill talking Goldberg. about the whole nature finds a way guy. No, it's Bill Goldberg, <laughs> Kyle. The, the, the man who came up with the spear move, Bill Goldberg, Kyle. Yeah. God, right. you need to go watch your WCW. Anyway. Maybe. So Actually, shows I, I like that. Heads up. Don't give Kyle too much. He does all the editing. <laughs> okay. Uh, your knives are awesome. Um, you want one now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that one you showed me with the sheet? Anyway, um, you had these shows that came out. And on one side, I think that it really hurt the industry because you had all these people that came out. They had no responsibility to the industry. They had no respect for it. You know, they came out, they said, I'm a knife maker. They put out absolute. <laughs> and then when people said, you sent me a crap product, they had disappeared into the night. But at the same time, with all of these people coming out of the woodwork, you've had real career knife makers have had to like actually um, do do really well. Like they've had to put out incredibly good product to show people this is what a really good knife is. Well, they've had to push their limits a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that's a good thing. I think that in the end, that stuff kind of evens itself out where 
you get all these people that did a lot of damage to the industry because they just didn't have any experience or they were looking to make cash quick. Uh, but then you have like real career knife makers that um, basically their attention to detail got super acute because it had to. And so that part of it is good. So I think that a lot of the knife industry we'll see is a lot more of people uh, perfecting, you know, simple grinds, designs and stuff like that stuff that, um, there will always be like cheesy looking shit, but I think that we're going to see a lot more cooler stuff come out. There are several people within the last decade that came out like, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who the guy was. He licensed uh, some designs to ZT. He was a Russian guy. And I remember at the time thinking that guy's really onto something that's never been around before. Um, oh man, what was it? I wish I could think of it, but there are some people coming around now that are doing new things, just like handle styles and stuff like that, that, um, it's really perfecting on stuff that's already existed, but it's perfecting in ways that hasn't existed before. Like, um, you would have people who would do like finger grooves. Well, finger grooves have been finger grooves since the beginning of finger grooves, except these people have figured out a slightly different way to do it where it's more comfortable on multiple uh, grip positions. That's a big deal. So I think that we'll see the perfection of a lot more stuff. I think that we'll see a lot more materials come out. It's going to be stuff we haven't seen before, like super steels, forms of uh, Makumi and stuff like that, like a lot of the mixed steels and copper, steel and gold, stuff like that. That'll be things we haven't seen. I I wouldn't uh, be surprised if we saw mixtures of carbon and other things that started replacing steel like alloys uh almost like an alloy but um you know carbon fiber like uh there was there was a company back in the day it might have been kershaw that came out with a knife where the blade was almost entirely carbon fiber except it was backed with one extremely thin slice of uh knife steel and so the, gr the uh, grind came all the way down to that piece of knife steel, and then the knife steel is where the edge was. I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing mixtures of carbon and steels where it's actually part of it, like it's a dust huh. or something like that, where it was something that you could sharpen. We've seen that happen with things like ammunition, where you know they're introducing copper and creating these copper polymer blends that act just like a bullet except it's frangible when it hits a target, it, it explodes. Yeah, like the powder and epoxy round. Yeah. Like, like totally uh, kind of like how they do like alumilite and stuff like that. You know, they put like a, a really fine metallic powder in alumilite and that's what makes it look the way it does. I wouldn't be surprised to see that with things like carbon and Kevlar and stuff like that, where it replaces steels as the primary material that they're making, um, blades and frames and stuff like that I, out of i was I, playing with some g10 today as a blade and cut the ever living it's a trap for myself <laughs> see i think that that stuff's cool like i think that finding alternatives to just standard steels would be the way to go that would be an actual innovation where you're changing the way that you know things have done everything has been made out of rock or ore forever Everyone pretty much who's tried to make things out of plastics, uh, be it like uh, fiber reinforced plastics or something like that, 
they've come up with some cool stuff like cold steel has their uh black plastic like butterfly knives and stuff like that it's made out of like zytel or whatever it is yeah those things are kind of okay but they still have the problem of it's plastic it gets dull right away i've been so i was playing with sm100 and it performs phenomenally but the amount of production time that it takes i'll never get my money back right on yeah yeah so that that's what that's the kind of stuff that i'm i'm hoping to see in the future as we see blends of materials where the steel content is actually a dust that makes something that's sharpenable and um, is lighter weight and just better as far as like corrosion and stuff goes than any any steel that we've seen so far could possibly achieve. So you, your leading edge is, is metal, but everything else is another lighter, stronger, corrosion-resistant material? Um, I wouldn't even say that so much as the whole thing is an equal blend. Ooh. So, like, you know, uh, like if you had, you know how powdered steels are done. Yeah. If you had the powdered steel, but let's say 90% of it was replaced by a carbon fiber or something like that, like something that was a substance that was like carbon fiber, there is no corrosion, there is no heat problem nothing like that and the steel itself was hardened from the actual process of making it so like uh there's that steel that uh the giant sword guy uses that it's already heat treated yeah all he does is grind it he doesn't actually do any heat treat i would like to see a blend that was like maybe 90 percent carbon and 10 percent a steel where during the process it's already heat treated but when you get it it's totally machinable because 90% of it is carbon, which is super easy easy to machine. And you end up with a toothy, good, incredible edge from the steel dust that's in it. Yeah, like a, That could be cool. Yeah, no, like a powder and synthetic. Yeah. Almost like they make quartz countertops, but with, yeah. a, with a steel and resin and carbon fiber kind of... Yeah, something like that. It would have to be some sort of like uh, heat and press combination to form the stuff it would have to be something that's done like almost on a uh, a vulcanization level uh, in order to get it done uh but anyways so that's that's what i see for the the industry that i hope is the future is seeing materials like that come out i think we're going to see some cool stuff uh for me personally it's totally different it is not business as usual i'm not making any sort of semi-production style knives anymore i'm not if you call me up and you ask me for a uh, Bush Operator XL, you ain't getting one. Uh, you guys are going to get your knives because I owe you. Um, but, Makes uh, you feel good since I have a Bush Operator. Yeah, see? You got one of the last Bush Operators that will ever be made, ever. Yeah, There's never going to be another so one. So you're going to just kind of let yourself, you're going to turn yourself loose. You're going to just let you yeah. do what you do. Absolutely. That's been the goal since I started doing something else as a career is that I would get to make knives. I would get to transition to a hobby knife maker. Like that's after I became a career knife maker and I did that for, I think it was like the first five or six years. I was like, this is fun. And then after that, I just thought, man, I really wish that this was a hobby and that I, I could just do what I wanted to do. It's kind of like the horseshoe model that you start here and you go way yeah, down, and you then go you all the way around. Back around to... Yeah, exactly. 
So that's the kind of stuff that I want to do. I'm thinking a lot of like San Francisco style, turn of the century frame handle, buoy knives with crazy stuff in them. Um, a lot of stuff that's just, I want to make things that no one's ever seen before. Like, I don't want them to look at my stuff and be able to say, oh, you know, that's really reminiscent of this, or that's kind of that style. I want them to look at it and be like, wow, we've never seen anything like that before. That's insane. You know, how much does it cost? Wow, that's way too much. You know, I've I've, I've been (laughs) wanting a Halo 4 sword. I'm just (laughs) right on. (laughs) I actually have a sword that's been sitting on the workbench since, uh, do you remember? Um, yeah, I keep telling you to grind it. Uh, what's 36 inches long? Yeah, yeah, that thing is huge. Hey, <laughs> I've had that thing sitting on the bench forever, yeah, and you know, uh, I've just never gotten around to it. 36 inches just laying around. That's true, that's true. But, anyways, yeah. that's 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 about it. <laughs> that's it. I'm not doing any of the stuff I used to do, it's all going to be new, it's not going to be anything anybody's ever seen before from me. Yeah. So, it's it's going to be new. Yes. Uh, new. Yeah. All right. That's redundant. So, uh, when you, when you finish a project, are you just going to put it up on your website or how are, uh, probably going to be like Instagram. I'll go on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. I mean, that was how I was doing most of my sales toward the end anyway. Like, I think that websites are kind of dead. They're old school. Uh, blade forums is still cool, but, it wasn't really as much of a benefit as it used to be. You know, it's, it's probably going to be Instagram, Facebook. Okay. Sorry. I was just buying You guys it. are both yawning and stuff. Actually, I think we're done. We're done. No, Cut I was, it. Actually, I was just I was buying about, a new This sharp- has been Kyle, Dan, and Dylan. Knife Perspective out. I was just buying a new sharpening stone. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. B. 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 He messaged you? What's that? Did he message you? Yeah, Triple B was just letting me know that the new stones were available, so I was sniping everybody. Right on. Because <laughs> what's the point of having power if you don't abuse it? Yeah. Word. I'll have to pick one of those up. Uh, you better hurry. <laughs> All right. Where can we... Um, so Instagram, is that is that the place to yeah. go to find Fletcher Knives? Yeah, just follow at Fletcher Knives on Instagram. You can go to Facebook, Fletcher Knives on Facebook. It's the same everywhere. I was real lucky. Nobody else wanted to use my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you have any uh, have anything else you want to let the listeners know about? If they've uh, made it this far, I don't know. No, nah, I mean, unless they want to know that I got to like pee super bad right now. Yeah. All righty. You guys want to know that? I really have to pee. Bottle. I can taste it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. My back teeth are floating. <laughs> All right, guys, you can keep in touch with the podcast at KnifePerspective.com, uh, Knife Perspective on Facebook and Instagram, and all the podcasting platforms. You can keep in touch with Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives at DogwoodCustomKnives.com. He, uh, he's Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. Oh and God, Dan Dylan at DogwoodCustomKnives.com. Like <laughs> I really have to be. <laughs> you see yeah. me squirming. And you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Dives. <laughs> Cage Daily Dives so on Facebook, bad. Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And, oh my uh, God, hurry! <laughs> <laughs> Still a bunch of yeah. Fletcher knives everywhere. Cut. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good night, Say good night Dan. I, hey, guys, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, let's take it to the edge, because that's what's expected. 
end this discussion. This is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're gonna talk about our things now. Cause that's what's expected.